This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. everybody and welcome in on a Thursday here at UNF Arena. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane. Good to be here. Big game tonight in the A-Sun. Liberty. One of the top teams in the A-Sun. They are the top team 5-0. and 19-1 on the year. And uh, putting up some crazy numbers. They're even knocking on the door of a top 25. They invade UNF Arena in a big battle in the A-Sun. Two of the best teams, the two best teams uh, in league play, no doubt about it. So we'll talk about that game uh, coming up. Uh, a little atmosphere and backdrop. Might yeah. play some hoops. I mean, hoops is definitely like the... The theme of the that, next few days. You're that is the, the Jacksonville Giants. Maybe you get a couple of shots in. Maybe we practice our alley hoops a little bit. That is the theme of the day, and it's been the theme on my knees since the morning. Because actually, I got to practice with the Jacksonville Giants this morning, so we went through a, a full practice. And yeah, man, uh, I don't have those uh, high school knees anymore. Let's just say, <laughs> do not hurt yourself. I, I hear you. Do not I hurt hear yourself. You. But I would like to practice an alley hoop or two. Let's get it uh, if we can, because I'm going to warm up with the Giants on Saturday. Yes, night, you are. So I can't wait, that, man. Uh, it's going to be fun. And uh, that, that's. That's all we have to do. A little a teamwork alley-oop yep. in the warm-up line, yep. the layup line, coming up on Saturday night. Uh, but we're going to talk a little basketball, too, because Zion Williamson was fun last night. It was a dud, and then all of a sudden, boom, Out of nowhere. Zion Williamson was like, whoa, this is a lot of fun. That was a pretty cool like five minutes of sports if you were just watching last night and kind of waiting for something to happen. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos back in the studio. We're on the road once again. Welcome to the University of North Florida. And uh, they got that game at 7 o'clock tonight. By the way, I'll call that game on ESPN+. Plus. So uh, looking forward to that one. But we'll talk football. we got the Pro Bowl, the Senior Bowl. We have more interviews. We have the Super Bowl, obviously, on the horizon, which we can start at least talking about that. It doesn't feel like that far away, although it's still pretty far away. Some people are saying some outrageous things, like Max Kellerman, Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback of all time already? Already? Let's let's go ahead and pump the brakes a little bit here, Max Kellerman. Okay, I, I want to see what outrageous thing I might be able to say today, <laughs> uh, and, and we'll, we'll see if it, it sticks. But before we get there, did you see the Zion Williamson? We could even welcome Kuzin, because I know he loves this stuff, yes. but that was a dud. Uh, you know, what's so funny is in sports is how quickly the narratives change. And oftentimes, it changes on success and failure, wins and losses. And everything else gets swept under if you win. Everything comes out of the woodwork when you lose. Well, in this instance, this was all about an individual. And it was a, it was just boring. I mean, they were resting them. They were playing them. They were just, it was like we were watching a practice or a scrimmage for Zion Williamson. And then all of a sudden, that fourth quarter actually had drama. One, he brought the team back. Sure. He caught fire, which is always fun. He was in a zone. He wanted the basketball. And then he didn't want to come out of the game. And Alvin Gentry had to send two guys back to the bench because he kept hitting shots. Couldn't take him out. And it was like orders were coming down from outside of the bench. Like, Gentry's, you can see, he's shaking his head like, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah, we're trying exactly. to win a basketball game, yeah. yet this guy's on fire. They want me to take him out. Somebody help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was wild. <laughs> no, it was absolutely wild, you know. And, and listen, let's be honest. I, I tuned in last night. I assume you tuned in last night. And I was excited for the dunks, right? I, I was watching, I was like, ex- Chicago PD before yeah. that. Well, okay. How bored I, I got. Then I flipped back over. To each their own. But, you know, like, obviously <laughs> we're tuning in for those highlight reel dunks and everything. And, you know, yes, people are on Twitter, Twitter saying, like, ah, oh, he gained a little weight. You know, he looks a lot of shape. Whatever. 
But it wasn't necessarily the dunks that made the you know the headlines. It was the three point shot. He's like, all right, cool. You think I'm overweight? Check this out. Back to back to back three pointers. Check that out. So. It was an entertaining fourth quarter, to say the least, and I thought it was one of those things, too, like where the first three quarters, Brent, I'm not going to lie, I was switching back and forth. I was watching some all elite wrestling. I'm not even going to front. But it, it seemed like, yeah, they're going to slowly ease them back in, you know, because they're, they're not playing the playoffs right now. It's one game at a time. It's the NBA season. It's a long, drawn-out season. But in that fourth quarter, man, yeah, Coach Gentry got put in a bad spot because, number one, He's on fire. Number two, you're playing to obviously win the game. And number three, when he goes to the bench, you got guys cheering for him, saying Zion, Zion, so wanting to go back in. And, you know, Gentry's just kind of like putting those earmuffs on, saying, nah, man, there's plenty of season left. Yeah, it was interesting because if we had come in here today and we would have talked about the dud of it, and we really probably wouldn't have spent much time on it. I'm not saying we're going to spend a lot of time on it. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have invested too much into the one game. And I'm not going to invest too much into this game. But I did love the fact that he feels like that kind of player that you could almost see. He wanted the basketball. He felt it. He got in that zone. And special players do that. Like, we see it from time to time. But you could tell that he wanted it. Uh, this wasn't like a heat check moment. This was give me the ball. And he also kind of figured a way to do that as a young player, and rookie player, within the, the, the offense. Like It wasn't like he got the ball and shot it. He actually gave it up a couple times, worked his way back open, and then they found him. And that's what else I noticed. They were looking for him. Yeah. And listen, you're saying, Brent, that's what happens in basketball. You find the hot guy. I get it. But it's a guy that had, they have never played with in a basketball game. And they could sense it. You could see that coming off the TV that they're like, we're getting this guy the ball because he's getting us back in the game, and he doesn't look like he's going to miss. Think about it, 17 points in like three minutes and eight seconds. It was insane. So I think it's kind of cool. Uh, I would not have hammered him if it was a bad performance and it was kind of a dud, which it looked like it was going to be. But I do think it's kind of worth celebrating, saying, wow, this guy could really be as special as everybody is talking about. And he especially, you know, he, he displayed, he showcased his game that that doesn't get talked about a lot, you know, and, and then that's his three-point shot or just, you know, his outside shot because we remember Zion from, you know, these highlight dunks and these highlight blocks and everything, but he kind of added another element to his game. And I think from anything, you like the fact that he looked confident out there in the fourth quarter you know he like you said he wasn't asking for the ball but he got uh, in the rotation of the offense where he was receiving the ball and he felt confident to let those shots fly which is important especially your first game as a rookie i understand man you're the first pick of the draft and you're supposed to be the guy on that team but like look at ben simmons man ben simmons never had confidence shooting the three-point ball so it was pretty cool to see from zion's perspective and kuz sorry for knocking your boy ben simmons but it's true <laughs> just don't say anything about tj mcconnell oh for sure uh, the the other part about it, did you see the three-point stat? I think in Duke, at Duke last year, he never made more than three three-pointers in a game. <laughs> and he made four last night yeah. in the NBA. Uh, and that is today's NBA. Yeah. You know, do you think he has to lose weight? I mean, is he out of shape? Is is that just kind of his build? Does he have like a, is he like a super athletic but Charles Barkley kind of build? Where he's never <laughs> going to look like he's in awesome shape? Yeah, you know, I mean, from that perspective, like, let's be honest, he's an explosive and, and powerful individual, man. So, like, I, I'm not going to call the dude fat because no, I, I'm not doing I've that. seen him. Yeah, and, and you're not either, but like, people wanted to do that and say, like, he looks kind of chubby and stuff. I'm like, I don't know, man. If you got, like, a 40-something-inch vertical, there's not a lot of chub on you. So, from that perspective, I don't think he's got to really lose any weight. If he's comfortable playing um, in that body frame, then so be it. But that's going to be the telling thing, right? Because it's a little different than playing in the NBA in the long, drawn-out season as opposed to playing in college. So I'm all for it. If his body feels okay, then so be it. 
But, um, you know, if, if he starts getting a little more banged up, you know, maybe an ankle injury here, knee injury here, knock on wood, then maybe it's time to reevaluate what you are as a body type and make some adjustments. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that part of it. Now, listen, he looked exhausted after, like, well, five straight minutes. And, sure. and that's because he's probably out of game shape, you yeah. know. I mean, it's taken a while to, to get going. you got to appreciate New Orleans was very careful with him, and they didn't try to rush anything. They know it's a long-term deal, and you can appreciate that, even though you kind of feel for the guy that he's had to wait this long to kind of get after it. But uh, it'll be fun to watch Zion Williamson. I mean, that is a game changer for the Pelicans organization and uh, should be a lot of fun. My kids even noticed this, though. You look so big when you're in college and you're Zion Williamson throwing yeah. down on every, everybody. He, he looks like just another guy out on the floor. Like, you know, Shaq looked big. Of course. You know? yeah. Anthony Davis looks big. Yeah. Those guys look, LeBron James always looks big. Yeah. He kind of, ju- it's almost like you have to go find him on the floor sometimes. Yep. He's not seven feet tall. So he doesn't stand out like that, uh, and it's funny how you all blend in in the NBA when you, everybody's that size. Well, and, you know, I'm going to be honest, man, because when we're talking about, like, Blake Griffin, because that, that was my kind of comparison to him coming out of college. Like, you know, this highlight dunker, super athletic guy, but kind of has to develop a shot a little bit. Well, if you remember Blake Griffin's first year in the league, you know, he necessarily didn't have that confident jump shot that, you know, teams were looking for. But, I mean, he, he threw on the highlight dunks, and he's jumping over Kias and stuff like that. <laughs> but, like, w- w- with Zion, man, like, the dude's already shooting threes, and I get it, Brent, it's one game, and we'll see what happens going forward, but if anything, it showed that even though he's been out for the regular season a little bit, he's been out a lot of that summer league ball, he has been working on his craft a little bit, you know, he has been uh, developing the long range, so it's, it's pretty cool to see, and, dude, if, if he keeps that up, man, it's it's going to be cool to see where his game goes in the future, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, listen... This is an NBA. Do you think he's going to be a star? I just asked on social media. Do you think he's going to be a star? Like, I mean, absolute, uh, uh, you know, from a Kobe to a LeBron, maybe that's different. That's top five all-time kind of yeah. guys, top ten all-time guy. Yeah. But um, we have a league full of stars. We sure. have, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving and the Durants and the Steph Currys and the, uh, heck, maybe throw Kemba Walker in. Yeah. I mean, name your guy. Right? Yeah. I mean, we have stars all over the place in the NBA. Giannis, obviously, after Giannis and Prize. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. miss about five million of them. Yeah, you're good. It really feels like Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Joel Embiid, man. I mean, you go on days and days. You know, it. but I don't know. I, I do think, like, Kobe... We were going to talk about as a great one of the greats of all time, Correct. LeBron, one of the greats of all time. We're not going to talk about James Harden that way. I don't think yeah. we'll talk about Russell Westbrook like that. I, there's a different category for those other guys, I think. Now maybe I'll be wrong, and, and maybe three, four, five, six more years of this uh, in the NBA, maybe that tells a different story. But I guess what I'm trying to say is Zion, one of those guys, yeah. not necessarily LeBron or Kobe. We'll, we'll hold off on that. But is he one of those kind of guys, which the NBA right now, and I've said this, is littered with them. They had the NBA for the first half of the season was without Zion, without Kevin Durant, without uh, Kyrie Irving, and nope, it's Steph Curry yeah. without. Uh, who else is out there? Uh, 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 Draymond, Green Draymond Green without uh, Clay Thompson. Yep. And, and you don't even blink an eye hardly. No, you the don't NBA is full of stars. Sure. They're full of young stars. So is he in going to be in that category, I guess, yeah, is my yeah, question. Yeah, you know, and when you kind of put him up there with the Kobe's and the LeBron's and even the Steph Curry's, see, to me, and like I don't think even Giannis is up there. And I get like Giannis has won the MVP last year. But like to me, to get up to that echelon, Brent, to be like one of the greats, and we didn't mess, you didn't mention Russell Westbrook, and I almost agree with you. You didn't mention James Harden. I almost agree with you as well. And, yeah, they're prolific scorers. Don't get me wrong, but guess what? They haven't won the big one yet, you know. And, and, and to me, that's that's the biggest difference going forward is the fact that how many championships do you have underneath your belt? And it's almost funny because 
to me, there's almost a double standard between the NBA and the NFL. We always talk about it all the time. Dan Reno, one of the best quarterbacks to ever do, if not the best quarterback. Never won a Super Bowl, but we don't fault him for that, right? But you got guys like Charles Barkley. He never won an NBA title, and you kind of fault him a little bit. Now, maybe it's different because there's only five guys on the floor at the same time, and that one guy can take over. So to answer your question, do I think Zion's going to be up to that Kobe, up to that LeBron, up to that Steph? Obviously not in the beginning, and I just don't. I don't know if I can foresee that or not because that's going to mean he's going to put the team on his back to try to win a championship, and I think that's a lot to ask of him, uh, especially in such a young career. That's so a far. little crazy, right? Yeah. It's a little crazy to get that far ahead. I mean, who knows? Let's see what happens. I understand. LeBron, you could do that like right out of high school and ask those questions because he was delivering, and you could just predict it. The one other thing, one last thought on that front, most NBA we've ever started a show with, in, yep. uh, ever. Uh, don't plan on it again. Driving Dish Podcast, clues <laughs> you can find more. But the... I, I am fascinated in, in what makes a star, what makes a game-changing star. I still don't believe. Listen, I watched Larry Bird play, Magic Johnson play, Michael Jordan play, those guys. I still don't necessarily put Steph in those kind of categories. I, Steph Curry, yeah. I, I think Kobe is in that category. I think LeBron James absolutely is in that category. I don't put Steph there yet. I don't know what it is. But that's fine if you have him there. And the three guys that we mentioned, they help change the game. I'm not sure they revolutionized the game, but maybe Steph changed the game more than anybody. He got the three-pointer popping more than anybody ever has. But yeah. LeBron changed the game for a guy of that stature to be able to do all the things. Kobe, I, I guess uh, I hesitate to say changed the game, but it's almost like he continued the Michael Jordan. He did. Even though yeah, we, we, really Michael make... left us, so yeah. we're like, oh, no, no Michael Jordan. Yeah. And then here comes Kobe Bryant to kind of do what Michael did. A notch below Michael Jordan. No, I absolutely agree with you, Brent. That's a great point where it's like when you sit back and watch and be like, wow, this is something that, you know, this is new, refreshing. And to say, yeah, when Michael Jordan left, I think Kobe did take the reins a little bit. With LeBron James, you can go on days or days with LeBron James. I mean, a guy that big should not be that athletic, should not be that quick, should not have those kind of handles. So LeBron James, in my opinion, is his own outlier. They seriously then, may never make a human being like LeBron James again that can do this in, in that sport. Exactly. But now you have – and. and I'm not saying it's the proper way to play basketball, but now you have guys like Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, these big seven-footers that can kind of run the point a little bit, too. The, the guys that shoot. Yeah, can step out and shoot everything. And I get it, like, you know, like the Shaquille O'Neal's and the old heads probably don't like that kind of style of basketball. But to me, that you know, that's like the revolutionary thing now, right? I mean, even like Porzingis for a while when he was actually healthy and in New York, everyone's making a big deal about him. So Nowitzki helped change that. Or Nowitzki, too. And another guy who was the game changer. Good yeah. point. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki. So, yeah, you know, it's just it, it, it's that trend. It's that new thing. And I think Steph Curry, from set aside from the three-point shot, Brent, that's why I put him as one of the greatest of all time already, just because he did change the way um, you see shooting the three-point ball. And I guess that's my point when it comes to Zion. I don't know if he'll revolutionize the game. I don't know if he'll change the game in any way or do something so totally radically different that was like stands out. I don't know if he will, but I think he'll do things in a in an exclamation point kind of way. In a day of highlights, where we love highlights, where, where, where Ty Guy got up this morning and was looking at him right away. Of course. You know, and everybody else does. That's the guy. I mean, he is this 30-second highlight reel waiting to happen. And last night it was really, let me do a quick math, 308 seconds. Yeah. Three minutes and eight seconds where it really got it popping. Hey, when we come back from superstar of the NBA to superstar of the NFL, we're going to kind of go a little national here to start the show today. But the Super Bowl's on the horizon. Patrick Mahomes, is it, start, is it time to start asking how great he will be? Well, Much like LeBron James. And again, Max Kellerman said he's all, he's like the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think he like said he will be. I think he said like he is. That's a little far-fetched. But does he have a chance to be? 
and I have a great argument to bring up regarding actually Tom Brady. Um, something that I kind of talked to Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia about. Uh, good. And I, I want to bring up with you a little bit next after the break. Break it down, Patrick Mahomes. We're live at UNF Arena. Big one tonight. Come on up. 7 o'clock tip. Liberty and a UNF right here at the arena on the campus of the University of North Florida. He doesn't make mental errors. He doesn't just throw the ball away. He has the precision of Aaron Rodgers with the arm of Brett Favre. I mean, this dude is something else. So, as a talent, I've never seen anything quite like it. I think right now he's even a little hair above Rodgers in his prime, who I considered the best I'd ever seen. Not the greatest, not the most, the best. Wow, semantics, Max yeah. Kellerman, on first take. Which sometimes you're supposed to have crazy takes. I but, get it, man. Get everyone's attention. Listen, Patrick Mahomes is fantastic. But is he already in that kind of category? I mean, he reminds you of some of those. Of course. And by the way, what's the difference? Like, not the greatest, but the best. I mean, is <laughs> the best, the well, greatest? Uh, well, I think is that Meg, a different echelon? Yeah, Meg's coming to like the best he's ever seen. So I don't know, like in person, if he meant, or I don't know what he's getting at, man. But um. Is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback of all time already? Absolutely not. No. You know? um, Here's what else uh, got me on that on that take is I, Brett Favre had a rifle arm. Yeah. I, I guess he had more of like the fastball arm. Oh, I've yeah. never seen Ro- anybody like Rodgers flip it the way he does with like the arm strength. Yeah. You know, it, with ease. So with the it, pinpoint I guess, accuracy. Would you say there's a difference, though? Someone who would throw the fastball but other arm strength? I mean... I, I don't know. To me, they kind of are alike. And when he said like Favre has like that um, throws it like him, mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of feel like Favre and Rodgers are in the same category in terms of how they they chuck a football. Yeah. But, but maybe there is a little bit of a of a separation between man zipping that in and when you hit your chest, you're like, oh my gosh. Sure. That's what people would say about Brett Favre. Yep, of course. But if you watch Rodgers just flip with ease mm-hmm. off his back foot most of the time and just lets it fly from 40 yards, 60 yards, you know he throws the Hail Mary very well. It's really remarkable. I mean, that throw, the throw that he, Devontae Adams ran under oh, late in that game, perfect. oh my goodness, that was so nice. Absolutely perfect. So I don't know, I feel like Rodgers has like, supreme talent when it comes to the arm, Mm. like amongst the greats of all time. So that's why I didn't really ever think there was that much of a difference between him and a Favre type. No, and you're right there. And if you want to kind of put them all in the same category of Mahomes, Rodgers, and Favre, it's the ability, you know, of of that improv, you know, the, the, the... Improv- is it improvisation? No. Improvisation. Improvisation. There we, we go. go. To the word, club and do that. word of the day. I can do a little stand up if you want. But, um, you know, it, it's the ability to improv on the fly, you know, because traditionally quarterbacks have to have their feet set, they have to have their shoulders in a point, in a certain direction, and they have to feel comfortable in order to make those, you know, those elite passes. But, like, with Brett Favre, you know, growing up watching him, I mean, the guy would be all over the place, and he would just sometimes just chuck it up and pray. Now, that led to obviously a lot of interceptions, which, you know, he's uh, acclaimed for as well, as well as his touchdowns. But it's the ability just to kind of fire it from all arm angles, um, to really never count yourself out of the passing game. And then that's what all three of those quarterbacks, Brent, past and present, bring to the table. Where do you think he is right now, Patrick Mahomes, if you were to rank quarterbacks? And, and there's this upper echelon of quarterbacks, right? The Bradys, the Rodgers, the Mahomes, the Breezes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Rivers is now on the outside of that category. I think the Russell Wilsons. Maybe I'm missing one in there, too. Uh, maybe Lamar Jackson gets thrown in there, although I think he'll have to do it a little bit more than just one year of to convince more people of that. 
But where do you put him? I mean, is he the best talent right now in the league? Is he the best quarterback in the league right now? That Not that you want for the next 10 years. I'm saying right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, to me, it's really between three or four guys. Um, and I'm going Aaron Rodgers, number one. Um, I think Drew Brees is still up there as well, and then maybe Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I really think it's a one Aaron Rodgers, then 2A, 2B, Drew Brees, and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, I think Lamar Jackson's and Russell Wilson are a close third. The reason why I say that, though, Brent, is the fact that with Patrick Mahomes, he has the weapons. Now, one could argue, well, yeah, he has the weapons, but he makes those weapons look great. And I, I would probably come with you on that. But at the same time, when you try to analyze Green Bay's offense, I've talked about it all the time on this show, they have Devontae Adams. And that's it. They have a Jimmy Graham who's, you know, on the back nine of his career, who looks like he's in pain every single time he runs. Um, you know, they have guys like Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard, who, you know, couldn't even yep. cut it in Jacksonville. So I think if you put Aaron Rodgers on any team in the NFL, he makes that team better. I think Patrick Mahomes can do the same thing, but I also think Patrick Mahomes obviously benefits from playing with all those weapons in Kansas City. And I guess that's the thing, right? It's like, how do you quantify how good someone is when he's got all that talent? I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is really good. And what I'm starting to get a lot more respect for, listening to guys like Tony Romo talk about him, and because you know they've met with him and they know the game so well, is his mind. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that's always an X factor on a guy. And Russell Wilson obviously has proven to that be a, a difference maker. You know, when you have such supreme talent, how much do you just rely on your talent? Well, Mahomes feels like he's got a bit of the savvy and the veteran nature of a guy that's now played seven, eight years in the NFL. And this is only his third year. And remember, he didn't play in year one, albeit two games. Uh, I was reading something on Mahomes, and they said the Alex Smith move to bring him in and then draft Mahomes and sit was so critical in all this because Alex Smith was fantastic. Now, I think Alex Smith sometimes comes across as a surly guy, mm -hmm. uh, depending on what interview you see him in. But they said he was fantastic with Patrick Mahomes. And there wasn't a lot of that. He didn't want to get into that, Smith. You know, if you remember that year back in 2017, yeah. he didn't want to discuss that Just very much. to go much. about his business, I remember. But I think there was a lot uh, that Mahomes learned about being a pro, about playing that position. You know, not too different than maybe Foles and Minshew, the way he reacted, even though it, it kind of, the perception now is Foles probably wasn't too happy in this whole scenario. But that doesn't mean necessarily that he didn't tutor Minshew along and really help him out and pave the way. But I think Smith was a big part of it for Mahomes. Well, and the same thing can be said for Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers got brought in first round, and he sat a couple years behind Brett Favre. And now, was Brett Favre kind of bitter because he knew he was on the twilight of his career and probably going to lose his job? Yeah, I would say he was. But I think if Aaron Rodgers had a question, Brett Favre was the first guy there to answer it. So, you know, you kind of underestimate sometimes what it means to have that first-round quarterback just have the ability to kind of sit back, take it all in, look at it from a different perspective, and that way when he comes in, it's time for him to shine, he's confident in doing so. Yeah, I, I think the weapon, what's hard to differentiate, and Eric Locke uh, just kind of chimes in, which I don't know if I'll read the entire thing, but why doesn't the chat work? <laughs> he said Mahomes definitely has the best weapons and teammates, uh, well, most likely to get out of football. I think he's referring to Tyreek Hill and, and yeah. some of the things that have gone by, but he does have the weapons, and so what's the separation? Like, and, and I say this all the time, and this is hard to quantify, and it doesn't justify necessarily the Jaguars picking Brian Anger instead of Russell Wilson, or if you really wanted Mahomes and you were like, I thought Mahomes was going to be great, even though if you go back to that draft, not many people were thinking like the Kansas City Chiefs were thinking yeah. on Mahomes. 
But if you thought the Jags should do that and they missed out on an opportunity to do that, I always say the situation could be so much different in Jacksonville for those players. And where does that send their career on the trajectory? Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you just said it. He can overcome a lot now because he's played in the league a long time and he's, he's super talented. Tom Brady, I think for a long time, threw it to you, me, and, and, and the ice cream man uh, <laughs> yeah. at wide receiver yeah. because he was so good and he sure. could execute so many things. My question is long been, if Russell Wilson was here in Jacksonville back in the day when this team looked like a JV NFL team in terms of its roster at times, would he have been successful in the NFL? Would Patrick Mahomes, if he wasn't with Andy Reid and put in the situation with Alex Smith and now in this situation with Kelsey and Hill and Watkins and all these guys, would he be successful? Not even as successful. I know the answer to that. He wouldn't be as successful right now. But would he be successful long term? And would we be talking about him like this? I think it's really hard to to know that because, well, you can't know it. Uh, But I, I, I think that also situations and perfect spots help. Look at Ryan Tannehill this year. Well, Going yeah. to Tennessee certainly helped him. So this is why I brought the Tom Brady effect before we went to break here. And the reason why I compared to the Tom Brady effect stems from a conversation that I had with Matt Patricia at the Senior Bowl. You want to ask what the highlight of my whole weekend was? It was talking defensive schemes with Matt Patricia for like two to three minutes. And what happened? I'll quick set the story here. So I'm sitting down. You were pretty excited about it. Oh, dude, I was so jacked up. So uh, Brent and Marcel were doing some video for the TV um, side of things, and I'm just sitting there with my headphones in, just kind of vibing out to some music. And this guy kind of walks past me and taps me on the shoulder. Now, I thought it was Brent, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. That was the quote at the Senior Bowl as well. Yeah. no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to fire shots here. I'm just being honest. That was real. So, like, I, I don't know what's Brent in the corner of my head. So I'm like, all right, I better turn around and see who that was. I turn around and it was Matt Patricia. I'm like, I, okay, maybe he remembers me from the combine. Maybe he remembers me from the Senior Bowl because back in 2010 he was the linebackers coach of the New England Patriots. So then I'm like, okay, well, that was his way to instigate the conversation. So I, was, I told myself if he comes back, I'm gonna you know pick his brain a little, but I have to. I, I, I'd be stupid not to. So, sure enough, I'm talking to Brent Marcel there back, and Matt Patricia comes by again. So I go up there and introduce myself to Matt Patricia. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I remember you, man, from the combine. And truth be told, for being a Bill Belichick guy, pretty laid-back individual. You know, I was, <laughs> I, I was honestly surprised of just, you know, how, how open he was and everything. But So we're walking a little bit, and I distinctly remember when I was back home uh, for vacation watching the Lions take on the Chiefs. And during that game, the Detroit Lions, for lack of a better word, shut Patrick Mahomes down. He didn't have a touchdown. I want to say he was around 50% passing, which, you know, for Patrick Mahomes is, is, is an off day. Okay, now the Chiefs still won, but I loved what the Lions did of playing Patrick Mahomes great. So I went up to Patricia. I'm like, dude, I was watching your defensive scheme against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Like, what were you going into that game plan with? Because you guys kind of shut him down. Like, I got into I noticed you dropped the safeties back a little bit. I noticed that you guys only rushed three or four guys. You guys never blitzed. And he goes, and then I'll forget, and this was, this was a genius thing, and this kind of brings me back to the, uh, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick scenario. He said, we know Patrick Mahomes is a good quarterback, but we didn't approach it as we had to stop Patrick Mahomes. We didn't approach it where we had to stop Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins. The way our defense was approaching things is we have to stop Andy Reid because Andy Reid is, in fact, the X factor. So then I got to thinking, I'm like, wow, that, that kind of, you know, that, that says a lot about that system and, you know, how Patrick Mahomes benefits. And I kind of picked his brain a little more, and I won't divulge everything that he told me. But basically what he said was, 
if you blitz Patrick Mahomes, if you send guys after Patrick Mahomes, he has the athleticism, the arm strength, and the ability to have the improvisation where he's going to tear you apart. But if you drop back into coverage and you don't give up the big play number one, which is Andy Reid loves to do this, you know, go after the big play. But if you drop back into coverage and just wait and just let Patrick Mahomes try to make a decision, his internal clock of that six to seven seconds, it goes off and he'll get rid of the ball. And that's what the Detroit Lions did. Now, of course, it comes down with a scheme of what kind of guys you have on yeah, defense. True. And that's what he told me as well. But I thought it was very interesting from the standpoint of the goal was never to rattle Patrick Mahomes. It was to kind of give him the time. And then, you know, when that internal clock goes off, maybe he makes a mistake. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, and I know you were geeked up. Uh, oh, I was so, I was so like, excited. I'm going to ask him a question. I hope he comes back through. Yeah. He did, and he answered it. And he was he very cool. So that, yeah. was, uh, that was pretty good stuff with uh, Matt Patricia, the Detroit Lions head coach. All right, we're going to talk a lot about the Super Bowl next week. We'll be in Miami, obviously, Radio Row. We've got a bunch of interviews lined up. Uh, looking forward to that and breaking down this game. And I'll be interested as we break down that game to see what is kind of uh, the kryptonite to this KC. Mm-hmm. Two weeks to prepare for Andy Reid. Kyle Shanahan, though, is very bright. And uh, I think from an offensive standpoint, we could see fireworks just because these two offensive minds and what they might put together and piece together could be fun to watch. Uh, One heck of a chess match I think we could have in Super Bowl 54. So we'll talk more about that, uh, of course, a lot next week. Right now, Senior Bowl, Pro Bowl. Jags at the Pro Bowl. Jags front office at the Senior Bowl. What are we learning about the Jags? Anything right now that they're fixing can fix, and are we going to see some of that uh, right away? Also, Shad Khan. I thought about this a little bit. Yes, I said it for, I think, a second. But his involvement with the football side of things has been hands-off. I feel like we got another illustration yesterday of being more hands-on, at least with words. Uh, we will talk about that and his involvement from the football side after not a lot of success on the football field. Is it changing? Talk about the Jags coming up next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're live at UNF Arena. Big game tonight. Liberty and the Ospreys. Come check it out. 7 o'clock tip. Should be a fun one. Good atmosphere here at the arena. Well, the first time is always the sweetest, yeah. you know. But each year is definitely a, a nice year. You know, I mean, it felt really good this year, you know, especially because, you know, on a down year when you're not doing well, you know, it's easy to forget, you know, how well you can play, how good you can be, you know, because, you know, you're not doing enough to win games. And that gets tough on you, though, know, but you know that, uh, you know, it's nice to know your peers, the coaches that you play against, they respect you, and they, uh, they, they, they think very highly of you. That's why they voted you to the Pro Bowl. That's a good feeling. And it should be, uh, and I think Calais Campbell enjoys it, appreciates it this far into his career, and he should. Uh, I think it was Pro Football Focus named him uh, the top player against the run, uh, top lineman against the run, so they appreciate his game still. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what I saw today. I retweeted what Calais had out there. But, you know, listen, he's been fantastic. Where will he be? In 2020, will he be a part of the Jaguars? I think it came out on Jaguars.com the, the other day from the Senior Bowl. When asked about Calais Campbell, Dave Caldwell said, we still think he's got something left. We still think he's got game left. And they were discussing what kind of role they would have for him. So I think that does indicate a little bit like, hey, we may ask him to do something here because we may ask him to be a little bit different of a player than he's been. We asked him to do a lot, sometimes too much in the last three years. There's no doubt he played too many snaps in the last three years uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they had no choice, some of it because of the slow maturation, if any, of uh, Taven Bryan. 
they didn't have a lot of depth behind him, and because he was so productive. So all these important downs that they needed him to be a part of, he had to be out there to go make a play. It wasn't like they were in a situation too often where they were up by 20 points and could go sit him on the bench for the last 20 plays of the game or 15 plays of the game. So I think there is this thought in the building. Now, that doesn't mean Calais is going to think the same, Mm -hmm. but there's a thought that if we can get his snaps down, his pitch count down a little bit, he can be productive for however, maybe it's 30 plays, 35 plays, 25, I don't know what the number is, but we can really utilize him and he can give it a go and he is dominant when he's fresh and like that and we can keep him that way all season. But of course, to do that, we probably don't want to pay him $15 million a year and we're going to see if he'll play ball on that side of things. Make no mistake about it that in terms of your defensive line, it's as only as good as your depth. And I absolutely agree when you say, Brent, that Clayus Campbell played way too many plays um, you know, his first couple of years here in Jacksonville. And that's more of a testament to, obviously, the depth of the team. But overall, going forward, yeah, it's, it's a hard situation because I can see teams that would be very interested at bringing Clayus Campbell in for his price tag right now, you know, that $15 million. Um, set aside from a veteran standpoint and set aside from a production standpoint. I get we talk about, you know, the Pro Bowl doesn't mean much. Well, guess what? The guy made another Pro Bowl, you know, and I'm sure teams are taking notice on that. And we're talking about some kind of alternator, some kind of loophole. I mean, he legitimately made the Pro Bowl. So if you're the Jaguars, obviously try to do everything in your right to keep that guy at a probably less expensive price tag. The issue is, though, is there's always teams in need of a dominant three technique. You know, so to me, it's all about how Calais Campbell feels overall physically. Because if a team was to pay him that $15 million price tag, one would expect that he's expected to come in and get those 40 to 50 plays a game. And if your body's not responding to that, I mean, I think he has to have the honest talk with himself and say, yeah, I mean, I'd love to make $15 million this next season, but, man, my my, my body can't, you know, take the the toll what you're asking me to do. So a lot of it comes down to how much the Jaguars offer him, obviously, and a lot of it comes down to the self-reflection now that Calais Campbell has not only on his skill set but also his body. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, we're live at UNF Arena. Big one tonight, Liberty and the Ospreys in the A-Sun. Liberty comes in 5-0, and Ospreys 4-1. and Huge, huge game uh, for both teams, really. But uh, UNF especially to win and keep serve on their home court and stay in line for that uh, number one seed as we get closer and closer to March uh, here in the A-Sun. It looks like these are the two best teams in the conference. More on that in a little bit. But let's stay on the Jaguars. And when it comes to Calais Campbell, Let me before I get the shot. Let me say this about Calais Campbell. Yesterday, Diana Rossini was at the Pro Bowl. Remember, Rossini reported uh, erroneously that Marone was going to be fired the day before the last game of the year. Yeah. And so, uh, welcome to journalism 2020, by the way. As she did a (laughs) selfie video with Calais Campbell and kind of made fun of her report. Ah, there uh, you go. Erroneous. And so that whatever it is, what it is. But in that little 30 second clip. Calais says, well, I never thought he was really gone. I was hoping he was coming back. And we talked to Shad Khan after the season about it and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was another indication of Shad Khan gathering information from players. Yesterday, we also talked about and heard from Dave Caldwell when talking about Yannick Ngakwe said Shad will be involved to some degree. I guess the question it raises for me, Shad Khan, from my view, has been a hands-off owner when it comes to the football stuff. He's not Jerry Jones. (laughs) And by the way, most owners are not. 
Most owners say, hey, we hire football people, let the football people do their thing. That's not a knock against Shotgun. That's just the way it's been. He put a lot on Tom Coughlin to kind of take ownership of that, much like he puts on Mark Lamping to take ownership of the business side. And I know that's all sort of subjects right now, but follow me along. Yeah. Uh, the So now that Tom Coughlin's out of there, and you really don't have this one person that says, hey, I am the the veto on anything that I don't want, or I win the, the, the uh, approval of anything that we do want and that's big and that needs it. And I think there was a case of that already with Shot. I just think it was kind of quiet. I think if they wanted to sign a big-time free agent, they still had to say, hey, Shot, we think we need to do this. Let's do this. Nick Foles, let's do this. Do you agree? Yes, okay, let's do it. So it wasn't like he was out of the process, out of the communication. But I get the feel that he's going to be more involved with the football stuff, not day to day, not in meetings, not gambling, but at least a little bit more of, you know, I want I'm, my ears in that building, and I want communication more all the time. What are you guys doing? Where are we going? Quarterback potentially? Are we going to get Yannick Ngakwe's situation repaired? Uh, can we do that? Should we do that? Calais Campbell, he's been the the awesome guy here in Jacksonville for three years. I want more guys like that around. What can we do to keep Calais Campbell around? Do you think he will have more of that role? Is that a good thing if he does uh, from that perspective? In my opinion, it has to be a good thing, Brent, because it couldn't be any worse, to tell you the truth. I think Shad Khan's got to the point now where, well, let's go ahead and let's focus it like from this standpoint. Let's go ahead and review the year real quick. You lost Telvin Smith, okay? One could say maybe they had a lot to do with Tom Coughlin. We may never know. But the point of the matter is uh, that Telvin Smith was not on your football team that year. Okay? Then you lost Jalen Ramsey. All right? You traded him away. You got whatever you got for him. But guess what? You lost Jalen Ramsey as well. And then Tom Coughlin comes out and says, when asked about Yannick Ngakwe and his contact, contract situation, he goes, well, you know, he, he, he's got to prove himself. He's got to show up. Well, one could argue that he was showing up all season. And if you think that Yannick Ngakwe didn't hear that message loud and clear from Tom Coughlin, I'm going to tell you you're crazy because he listens to us sometimes. So you better believe he listened to Tom Coughlin saying, yeah, he's got to prove himself on the field a little more first. <laughs> yes. Excuse me? Excuse me? I think he ought to listen to everything. <laughs> well, there you go. But listen, when you have the vice president oper- or the former vice president of operations saying that about you, but of course Yannick Ngakwe is going to take that to heart. So let's see what happened. While it's been on Shad Khan's watch, you lost Jalen Ramsey. You paid Miles Jack a new contract, top three highest paid middle linebackers in the NFL right now. You lost Telvin Smith and Yannick Ngakwe right now, as far as we know, is on the fence. Not good. And I think if you're Shad Khan, you have to do everything within your power now to be like, all right, we have to reconcile the Yannick Ngakwe thing. We can't be losing our draft picks. We can't be losing our homegrown heroes, and we can't be losing our homegrown talent. We just can't do it. So I think this is Shad Khan kind of coming out and saying, listen, the way we've done it in the past, all this animosity in the locker room, that's not who we are. So let me go ahead and come out you know, of, of the cave and put my fingerprint a little more on this team just so th- – they can see the boss who runs the whole operation and see, you know what, things aren't that bad, and you should have fun playing for Jacksonville. As a player, if uh, just hearing the things that we heard, eh, that players had a little bit of a voice at the end of the season, right? Uh, and you told us this, I think, a story, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but at the end of Mike Malarkey's one-year tenure, and Shad Khan was the owner at that time, yep. they made a move, but the way I kind of interpret it is Malarkey said, hey, 
you guys should put this player committee together, or you already have a player committee, yeah. and and be a voice for the locker room to the owner. Or was that a request of Shad Khan? Do you, do you know? Yeah, you know what? As far as who came up with the leadership committee, uh, I'm not 100% on that. If I was to make a guess, I would say it was actually Shad Khan that kind of initiated that because he wanted to get thoughts of that season, right? Because when during the Mike Malarkey season, and I, listen, I, I've always said Mike Malarkey was a fantastic coach, and I love playing for the guy, but it wasn't a good season. And that's for a lot of reasons. Not on coaching alone, the personnel that we had just, let's be honest, wasn't up to snuff. So from that perspective, I think it was Shad Khan more of saying, "Listen, we need to, you know, we need to designate these leaders, these guys that have been here before, that have been here when it's, you know, been pretty decent, and that have been here now, that can kind of give me some input of what we need to do going forward." Now, what took part in those meetings, I'll never know because I wasn't part of those meetings. I mean, I think that was in, that was in my uh, second year. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, second year. So uh, I never really found out what happened in those meetings, but. I, I even knew back then that Shad Khan was very, you know, um, assertive of that he wanted to get the, the players' perspective of things and to help shape that team going forward. So it obvious Calais Campbell kind of hinted that, and, and I think even uh, I forget if it was the end of the year press conference or, or with Doug Marone when he got back, or uh, no, it was actually in a statement from Shad Khan where he said he got input from players. Mm-hmm. So once again, he seeked this out. Is my point? Sure. Is that a respectful thing from a player's standpoint? Do you like that? Uh, again, this isn't Jerry Jones. I think from a player's standpoint, you can kind of like roll your eyes a little bit at Jerry Jones, I think, from time to time because he says so much and like you never know what he's going to say and what you have to answer on a Wednesday when the media yeah. comes in. But this is more the input of the players, values the input of the players. Is that important to players? Yeah, that, that, that means a lot. And I'm going to drop some knowledge real quick for you. Now, Maybe the landscape of the NFL has changed since the 10 years that I've played, but I doubt it. When you talk about, you know, the one section of the players, and then you talk about the other section of, like, upper management, the owner, the GM, you know, there may seem like, yeah, you know, everything's a well-oiled machine, even on the great teams, but I guarantee the guys in that locker room, there is a little animosity built up, right? Because all of a sudden, you're the players, you're the ones that are out there, and then the heat, you know, practicing, you're the ones that are putting your bodies on the line, and then you have, you know, the owner and the GM making all this money by sitting in the office. So essentially, it's like, you know, you're working for them, which that's exactly how it works. But I'm just saying from the NFL player's perspective, it's like, man, you know, like, we're, we're all we got, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's it's them. It's against them. Exactly. Thank you. So... I think from that perspective, any time that, you know, the, the higher ownership can come down, you know, and kind of and try to relate to the players a little bit, that doesn't go unnoticed in that locker room. I think the players respect it because at the end of the day, I mean, you have to get the players' input because they're the ones that have to go through it every single day. Yeah. If you don't get their input, and now let's be fair, though, sometimes, you know, maybe it's a little bit too much entitlement where it's like, oh, yeah, this sucks, this sucks. Well, you're in the NFL. Not everything's going to be hunky dory. There's going to be some things that you may not agree with as a player, but you got to fight through. Okay, so don't get me wrong there. But at the same time, I think that spreads in the locker room. That spreads around the NFL when an owner is willing to listen, is willing to kind of take some advice a little bit and change things for the better. Listen, and part of the reason I say it, and I think this could be a little different. I don't want to say it's like so different than anything else done in the NFL. I, I don't think that's the case. But I remember talking to Jeff Logman. I think it was on All Access, like around the time where all this stuff's going on with Coughlin and everything else, maybe the Ramsey, yeah. and, and say, hey, do you ever get input? The owners get input. And Jeff, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I don't remember him saying, I think he kind of said, I don't remember ever like an owner talking to the players hmm. about uh, input, you know, on a coach yeah. or on a this, on a that. Well, 
Uh, and again, uh, sorry to Jeff if I'm putting words in his mouth, but that's the way I remember the conversation going. And what I feel like from guys like Calais Campbell and, and maybe some other things that have been said in the last few weeks is that the players, I don't want to say saved the job of Doug Marone, but they certainly aided in maybe helping Shad Khan make this decision for Doug Marone to come back, saying, hey, the problem we all had was with the next level up. It wasn't with these guys right here, our assistant coaches, our coaches. We liked that. This was a good feel. This We liked being here. We had a close locker room, all those things. And, it, I mean, at, at least by action, Shad Khan listened to some of that. Exactly. Now comes the question, though, Brent. The most important question is, did Shad Khan listen to the players too much? Because let's be serious. Last year in that locker room, there was a lot of animosity built up towards Tom Coughlin. Maybe some built up towards Shad Khan because who appointed Tom Coughlin? Shad Khan did. So is this Shad Khan kind of coming forward and saying, listen, players, we hear you. We're sorry about what happened last year. This is me going out of my way to try to make things right with you guys, and we're giving you Doug Marone again. Now, if you go off Doug Marone's track record last year, not good. And this could be an all-time backfire if, once again, the Jaguars have a losing season. Yeah, and I'm not saying they completely made the decision. No, but there was some input. All right, well, speaking of some separation and reparation that needs done, could Shad Khan come in and help save the Yannick and Gakwe situation? How is that going to get saved if it's going to get saved? We talk a lot about Yan, but it's time to put the pieces together. It's next on ESPN 690. We're live at UNF Arena. Thanks for hanging out with us here on a Thursday. Yeah, and we'll put our best foot forward with that, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, we have some time on our hands right now, and this is kind of a dead period with with the league, and and uh, we'll try to get. I know Shad wants to be involved with it, and Tony, and and myself, and Coach Marone. So we'll we'll take our best shot at it, and hopefully, you know, we we can make it happen. Well, that's Dave Caldwell, the Jaguars GM, when we caught up with him on Tuesday at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and once again. Another hint of Shad Khan's involvement. Hey, again, when you were talking about a $100 million potential deal, the owner's always going to be involved. I don't want to misrepresent this, like he's never been involved. I'm just saying, maybe it's more Shad Khan saying to Doug Marone and Dave, we want this guy. We need this guy here in Jacksonville. He is a building block for us. He's done everything the right way. I want those guys on my, my team. You guys should want those guys on your team. And he's been super productive for us. Let's find a way to make it happen. Now, there's always a ceiling. I think he wanted Jalen Ramsey around. And then sooner than later, it was like, okay, I've had enough with Jalen Ramsey, and we got this in return for Jalen Ramsey. Okay, it's time to part ways. So I'm not saying just because he might think that way or say that, it's going to be an absolute mandate. But my point being, there's more involvement from that side of things to say, hey, guys, I also have three things on my plate. Let's just say, I'm going to be like Shotgun. I've always wanted to be Shotgun. Cash money, Martin. No, let's get it. On the kismet here. Yeah. But and say, I've got three big priorities, and, and see if we can check these off. And it's business, so it doesn't always work, but yeah. business is business, and try to get the damn thing done at the end of the day. It's Yannick Ngakwe. I think we should make a push for Gardner Minshew to be our guy. I think we we need to go get tight ends. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm not sure what the other one is. But Austin Lane, b- bring him back tight ends. Yeah, you get he my can do point, it. right? Yeah, you get yeah. my point. Is, is there that level, not just a stamp of approval or a veto against, but instead saying, hey, let's urge this to happen with our front office, with our coaching staff. And Yannick Ngakwe certainly could fall into that. Brent, the, there absolutely has to be, right? Because... 
for the past couple of years, Shad Khan has said it and forget it and what's happened. I just said the players that he's lost. He's lost Telvin Smith for whatever reason. He's lost Jalen Ramsey. And now he's getting ready to lose Yannick Ngakwe. Of course, a change had to be made because I know it, you know it, anybody knows it, including him. He knows it where if you lose Yannick Ngakwe, man, that's going to be a big deal. So I think Shad Khan has taken it upon himself to be like, listen, we have to do whatever we can to try to keep this guy because we cannot afford to lose another guy that we've drafted, especially you know in the third round who's done everything by the book and not been in trouble. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, live at UNF Arena. All right, let's put on uh, what I just said is our construction hats and try to repair and rebuild this relationship with Yannick Ngakwe. Everybody thinks it's important. The fans love Yannick Ngakwe. They want him back. The team talks about him. Calais Campbell and, and Avery Jones and name your guy. And they say, generational type of talent. Look what this guy's done. And I will say this. You can tell me that Yannick Ngakwe is this or that, or you can find others, or, uh, you know, they're, they're, it, whatever you want to say. I go to the record books, and I see a guy that isn't even 25 years old yet, and in March he'll be 25, which means he's not even headed into the prime of his career yet. He's probably still got another year or two before you get there as a pass rusher. And he is second all-time in franchise history in sacks. And that's what I would sh- – if I had Shad Khan right here and I'd say priority-wise, I'd say, Shad, look at this, man. 37 sacks. It's second all-time. You guys drafted that. Think about all the bad things that have happened in Jacksonville in the last decade. That's one of the great things that have happened. Keep that thing. Build around this. And he handled himself well, all those other things that go into – things that we have talked about a bunch – but how do you go about repairing what looks like on social media an absolute broken relationship? I asked Dave Caldwell about it. You just heard his comment. He did not deny that it was a fractured relationship. Yannick Ngakwe is basically saying he's out of here, which, again, I kind of say, wait a minute now. The league structure says at the very least you're going to get tagged if they want to do that. So you don't have the power to just say I'm out of here yeah. in the NFL. I mean, but you do, you do have the power to say, I'm not going to play if you, you do have that me. power. But that's a different conversation. Sure. For a guy to say, hey, I want out of here, I don't like what the, the way the organization treated me, to say, I'm not going to play in 2020 for $19 million, that's a different conversation. And I'm not sure I believe Jan is there yet. Some people will say it. You can say it in January. Mm-hmm. Let's see when it actually happens, if it actually happens, if he does turn to that. And he does have the opportunity to turn that and say, I'm going to leave $19 million on the table, not going to gamble on myself again. I never want to play for this franchise again. The bottom line is, don't get it that far. How do you repair the relationship? You can do it at any time over the next couple of months. Caldwell did indicate it's a little bit of a downtime in the NFL cycle in terms of talking with agents and players. But that's okay. That will heat up soon enough. What do you do, man? You were a player. I know you weren't in this kind of situation, but you were a player. What do you need to hear from the Jaguars' side of things to at least begin the reparation of that relationship and get to somewhere constructive? Do you want my honest opinion? Your opinion cannot say it's not going to happen or it can't happen Mm. because we got to do it. I just gave you a mandate from the owner from my kismet to say we have to try to find a way to make it happen. Listen, so... Obviously, this is a money situation, right? So, listen, I, I, I'm looking at myself right now in Yannick Ngakwe's shoes. And they're nice shoes to be in because I'm about to get paid. Hallelujah. What Yannick Ngakwe... $5 shoes, maybe. Ah, there, yeah, I'm still rocking my Vans, man. I'm, I'm still trying to stay true. Not my $18 Costco. <laughs> but if I'm Yannick Ngakwe, I'm realizing exactly what I realized, Brent, as myself as a player, you know, when I was three or four years deep into the league. And that there's a lot of politics involved in this game. 
And it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how well you behave off the field, how great of a teammate you are on the field, and the effort that you put forth. There's still going to be politics. Al Capone had a saying where he said, I would swallow my blood before I swallow my pride. Now, that's super aggressive, but the, I mean, I'm not saying that to Yannick Ngakwe, but it rings true here. Yeah, that's this is a, freaking me out now. This, well, the, the, this is a very prideful individual, and I think that his pride has been hurt right now. I think, you know, a guy with an ego, any NFL player has an ego, I think with a guy with an ego has been hurt right no now. No doubt. I think they damaged that severely. Absolutely. And he feels betrayed and he feels hurt, in my opinion. Once again, I'm, I'm just speaking on behalf. I don't know what's going on with him, but if it was me, that's how I would feel, okay? If Miles Jack's getting paid before me, if Tom Coughlin, the guy that you put in charge to run things, is calling me up, those things affect me, man, okay? So to try to make things right with, with Yannick Ngakwe, yeah, sure, $22 million here, $23 million there. That would be ideal, man, and that, that would be a nice paycheck for Ngakwe. But it's so much more than that. And it's literally Shad Khan coming through and saying, you know what, what we did in the past, it was not right, and that's on me. And, and then I'll accept that. But we value you here. We want to make you a Jaguar for a long time. We want to build the team around you. Make him feel like, and, you, and I'm not saying make him, like he should feel like he is a big part of this piece going forward. Because right now, I don't think he does. Because the pay doesn't say that. Um, you know, the, 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 the amount of time that you spent on his contract doesn't say that. And how you treated him really doesn't say that. So if I'm Shad Khan, I'm doing everything I can to try to reiterate, we need you going forward. We need you to be the leader that you've always been. We need you to be the pillar of the Jacksonville. Uh, Jaguars, and we need you to be the staple of this city. To me, that's the only thing that's going to fix it because the money, the money is going to come regardless from a lot of teams. It's not just about the money. Yeah, I, I, well, listen, to me, you put aside the money for now because we know where the muddy ballpark is. Just get back to the table and talk about it here and say, hey, we like this number. No, you like that number. Get back to that. That's all I'm asking is to get back that. I've been saying that since August, right, when yeah. it became a stalemate, is stay at the table and stay conversational about this. And that's one of the reasons why this is a damaged relationship with Yannick Ngakwe, because it just went boom. Everybody shut off. Everybody throw their phones in the ocean. And, and that was it. And there was no conversation. Okay, so here's so get the money out, and you know you have to repair more than just the money side. Here's why I think the Jaguars have a chance. And you let me know if you feel different. But we think, we can put Shad Khan in the category, that's fine. Put Shad Khan in the category, put uh, Tom Coughlin up up there, kind of in that, that, that big office, and saying, we weren't going to pay you this, or we said take it or leave it, or whatever. And we can even group them together for now. Put Dave Caldwell up there, too, that's okay. okay. But if you then go down the stairs a little bit, and to the next level of offices... You have Doug Marone and Todd Wash and uh, uh, the defensive line coach and, and all these coaches, right? Mm-hmm. And I think – I don't think there's a, a scarred relationship between Yannick Ngakwe and the coaches. See, no, I, question you, that a little bit about, that I question that a little bit about Telvin Smith and the coaching. Sure. I do think that's, that plays a factor in yeah. the whole Telvin Smith situation. I don't sense that with Yannick Ngakwe, so therefore do I have a chance to repair because I know, like Yannick knows, all those guys on this floor in those offices, they want me to be a part of it. They showed that love. They were rooting for me to get this thing done. It's that next level that, that we got to fix things. Yeah, and I, I get what you're saying there. And basically what you, I think you're bringing to the table, correct me if I'm wrong, is the, the camaraderie and the bond that Yannick Ngakwe has with his position coach, his defensive coordinator, and probably even the head coach, would say, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to take the abuse that I took before, and we can make something work. 
Is that essentially what you're yeah. saying, right? Yeah, and 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 that that could be a possibility, Brent. But at the same time, once again, it, it's the matter of getting disrespected. Yeah. Okay. And okay. I'm not saying that came from the, the coaches or anything. I'm saying it came from the front office more primarily. I think Tom Coughlin of not wanting to get a contract done. Whoever was in charge of that contract, we think it was Tom Coughlin, but we don't know 100% if it was indeed just Tom Coughlin. So I see what you're saying there with the loyalty thing. But if the NFL has taught you anything, like, yeah, loyalty only goes so far. It. it only gets you so much. Well, and if you're and gone, you're like, hey, you guys might not even be here next year. I'm going to have to deal with the rest. And, yeah, and that, right? was, that was going to be my next point as well, where it's like, if you're Yannick Ngakwe right now, I mean, but listen, I don't know what the hierarchy of priorities are to you. I mean, do you care about winning a Super Bowl? Do you want to be like one of the highest paid defense events? I, I don't know where those rank right now. I think right he wants now. to be one of the best of all time. I, I think, the, yeah, I think he best. wants to go to the Hall of Fame. I, right. I, I, I'm not saying he wants to do that above winning. Yeah. I'm just saying if you stack his goals, and, and I'm talking for Jan right sure. now. It's not, I haven't seen his goals. Yeah. I just think they would start with, sure, let's give him the Super Bowl. But yeah. Hall of Fame is not far down the list is okay. my point. So, I mean, if, if you want to get two of those things, you have to understand if you're Yannick Ngakwe defensive end that you can't do it yourself. You, you have to have the, your teammates around you uh, to be successful, right? And, and that's with, in any position in football. So I think if you're looking at that, well, it's like, well, if you look at some of the moves that the Jacksonville Jaguars have made, whether it's paying guys or whether it's, you know, the transactions of trading guys or letting guys go or bringing guys in, it hasn't really been up to par. So that could be another thing that counts against Yannick Ngakwe staying, saying, you know what, man? The way this organization was run, I don't agree with some of these decisions. I want to go someplace where I can win, yeah. you know? So maybe throw that in the, 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 the fire as well. I'm just saying from the standpoint of, yeah, I, I'm sure he respects his position coaches a lot, and that's fantastic, but pride's a crazy thing, man. And I'm not saying having too much of it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying pride's a crazy thing. There's one more element here and, and that I wonder about again. And so this is where I'm trying to figure out where does it have to be fractured. We think the coaching stuff and, and playing you know, in this defense, that's not an issue. Like You can wonder that about Jalen Ramsey, whether he liked Wash or whether he liked the scheme, all those kind of things. I don't feel that with Yannick Ngakwe. He's been highly successful in this kind of defense. And he's watched Calais Campbell and Josh Allen also be very successful, and even Dante Fowler to a degree. So that part of it, I think, is kind of checks the box. Sure. And I would be saying, if I'm Doug, Doug Marone and I'm Todd Rush, like, hey, we're going upstairs, man. We're trying to get this done. We, we are battling for you here. Uh, we want you to be a part of it. Okay, so that part checks, checks the list. The next part of it is he wanted to be a leader this year in that locker room. Of course. You know, and he did. I think he showcased that with the way he held himself amidst this situation. He also, I believe, and I'm not sure he'd admit this if he was right here because he does have an angst to him about the whole situation. I think he likes Jacksonville. I think he likes it in Jacksonville. I think he knows the fans like him in Jacksonville. I think he's built something in Jacksonville, and he's already started to add his name to the record books in Jacksonville, which isn't a bad thing. True. I think if I were the Jags, if I were Shad Khan, if I were Dave Caldwell, I would approach it with Yannick, and, and sincerely, this isn't just a selling point, I would sincerely say, look what you have done. Look at your name in the record books. We're going to get you on the pride of the Jaguars someday, but we need to keep you here long term. We need to make this work. We know that. We're going to make this work. And on top of that, watch the guy you just learned from, and watch the last three years of a Calais Campbell. Well, he's obviously on his way out, whether it's this year, next year, whatever. You can now be that guy. You can be one of the faces of this defense. The fans love you. You know, we love you here. You're going to be a Jag, and you're going to be a very productive Jag. I wonder if, from a player's perspective, again, I'm talking, I understand where the rift is at. But all these other things start checking boxes, 
and then you add some zeros, yeah. <laughs> that could help repair the relationship, in my opinion. There's a lot of good stuff around Yannick Ngakwe, despite this last year, which has obviously been one of separation between getting a contract done. See, and I don't think you can, you can take for granted, though, Brent, the, the success of a team. Okay, because if you look at last year with Demarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark, let's use Frank Clark as the prime example right now. Frank Clark on the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yannick Ngakwe statistically had better numbers in the regular season than Frank Clark did, right? But I don't hear people in Kansas City right now saying, oh, man, Frank Clark got way too much money. Frank Clark should have been paid that much. What? Over $100 million? Come on, man. What are we doing? You know why? Because they're in the Super Bowl, Brent. Right. And, and he made big plays when they had to be made yeah. in those playoff games. So people can look aside, you know, I think he had, what, seven and a half sacks or something it, like that? He did what? not live up to the contract yeah. from a numbers but, perspective. But guess what? People look aside those numbers, Brent, because when the playoffs come around and he, he had that fake spin move where he tried to go inside, went back outside, and then caused the, the sack, people remember him from that. And people are like, you know what, that was a pretty good signing on that part. And I think that's what Yannick Ngakwe wants to do too as well. Well, and I'll just add to it this. I think people in Jacksonville, the fans, I think his peers, his teammates, look at Jan like that. They're not saying, like, oh, you only got eight sacks this year. They see him as a difference maker. They don't put a number on it. Mm -hmm. Because, listen, if we are being fair and we're telling the truth, it's a lot of sacks that he's had. But he hasn't had, like, a 15-sack year, 17-sack year, 18-sack. He hasn't been that guy. But he hasn't been down, though, Brent. That's the biggest thing. He hasn't. But that's my point. It, even without the 17-sack year, he still has the respect of his teammates that he's a game-changer, right? The fans, they lo- he, they see him as that. They're not sitting there saying, come on, man, you're asking for $100 million? You haven't yeah. even had 14 sacks in a season. They're not saying that. that. And that's a good thing, I think. Like that's They see his value. I'm just saying if I can consistently have a guy that can get me 8, 9, or 10 sacks a season and not you know progress lower than that, Dude, I'm, I'm happy with that, especially if I have Josh Allen on the other side. I'm, I'm ecstatic with that. Like, Look at Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd last year, everyone was ready. To, oh, this is going to be the next big thing and everything. He's got Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd. They're going to be balling in Chicago. Well, what happened this year? You know, Cleo Mack supposedly hurt a little bit playing some injuries, but Leonard Floyd kind of fell off a little bit and had probably his worst season in the NFL. At least with Yannick Ngakwe, even if it's injuries, who, let's be honest, he's never really that hurt that much, but even with the injuries and everything like that, the guy's consistent, Brent. And... Sometimes you take that for granted. Sometimes it's the Aaron Donalds pulling 20 sacks a season. Sometimes it's the Cleo Max I put up, you know, 16 sacks a season, and we get so enthralled with that for the one season. But my question is, over time, over three or four years, what can a defensive end do for you, not only from the sack standpoint, but obviously in the turnover standpoint? And in terms of that, with Yannick Ngakwe, I couldn't probably find a lot more consistent guys going forward than Yannick Ngakwe. Sometimes it's better to know what you're going to get, at least at the floor level, than it is to wish for what you might get at the ceiling level. And I think the greatest example of that, and I'll use it again, is the guy that has been teammates with him the last three years, and that's Calais Campbell. Mm -hmm. If you look at Calais Campbell, before he got to Jacksonville, he he was between five and a half and ten sacks every year. You could sign him up. For between five and a half and I think it was nine and a half really at the time in his entire career. Yep. And so you knew you were going to get at least that. And he has delivered not only that but more. And I think the same could be said for a guy uh, like Yannick Ngakwe. Let's go to the Action News Jack Studios right now. Bring in John Bachman. 
Hey, gentlemen. Uh, hey, what's up, man? What up, man? Uh, big news today, and yeah. uh, sad news today. Uh, yeah. And so a lot of thoughts and prayers with everybody that uh, knew the former mayor, uh, Jake Godbold, uh, passing away at the age of 85, I think, John. 85, that's uh, right. What, what uh, again, it's a little bit, obviously, it's before my time in Jacksonville, but I've now been around a dozen years. You've been here long enough. You know the impact uh, uh, he made on the city of Jacksonville. The vis- If you talk about visionaries in right. Jacksonville, right. they really r- go right back to him, um, and actually a man that also uh, was was a part of this university here at UNF, uh, uh, Delaney, uh, Mayor Delaney along the way. So, Absolutely. Um, you were downtown when the news broke uh, about uh, former Mayor Jake Godbold and his passing. What was the reaction? Oh, man. Well, I was in JSO. We, and I, was, I was with some folks who've been with JSO for 30 years, and so everybody that I was with had a story about Mayor Godbold. And, uh, you know, it, the guy was lived and breathed Jacksonville. And as you mentioned, uh, Brent, uh, he, you know, with Delaney was kind of the visionary for a lot of big sport events here in Jacksonville. In fact, uh, our good friend Stuart Weber uh, reminded me that, you know, uh, the mayor came out with a, a book. Was it last year he was making the rounds with his book, uh, the book called Jake, I think? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, in that, um, they talk about how Godbowl was part of a, an effort to try to get the Baltimore Colts down to Jacksonville. Obviously, that didn't happen. They ended up going to Indianapolis. But um, that was kind of the beginning of you know NFL talk in Jacksonville. And then, of course, um, it was Delaney, I believe, who was here when, when the Jags actually were announced. Yeah, well, John, that's uh, we just had about I would say, oh gosh, it was around three, four, five months ago, and it was very eye-opening to me. Uh, you know, some of the the older, if you will, uh, veteran sportscasters in town right. uh, went to down to the Gator Bowl offices, and um, uh, Jake Godbold was there, yeah, and sharing stories about. When they first start, it was the 40-year anniversary of starting to lay the groundwork for getting an NFL team to Jacksonville, including Ursay landing his yes. plane, right, and how they right. came up with that whole idea, landing yeah. his chopper, really, on the field <laughs> yeah. uh, at the old Gator Bowl. So some of those stories, it was really cool for me. Uh, I heard some of these things in the past, but listening to him tell it, them share the story, and uh, it's hard to believe that was just a few months ago because – he he was sharp and and mm-hmm. listening to him tell the stories was entertaining mm-hmm. um and and now today at the age of 85 passing but that that doesn't erase the legacy he built here oh he and has I think so many people have yeah. nice things to say that doesn't always happen with politicians now but so many have nice things to say about him tremendous legacy and you know to your point the Jags are celebrating 25 years in Jacksonville, but it didn't just it, they didn't just wake up one day and go, well, the Jags are going to go to Jacksonville. I mean, that was a, an effort that was started years and years before that, and and it, the groundwork was laid by a lot of folks, not just you know the few folks we're mentioning, but obviously um, you know that is part of his legacy. Indirectly, if nothing else, but yeah, a, a lot uh, of other stuff as well. So I was going to say, you know, I know from the sports side of things that the NFL, the football. I mean, I think he'll always be linked to that uh, because of of the groundwork. How else? Uh, how else do you think uh, he'll be remembered um, uh, here in the River City? 
you know, whether it's 20 years, 40 years, when they write the, the story about mayors in Jacksonville. Well, uh, anything I mean, else you're hearing? Well, no, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's a long list of accomplishments that we'll go through uh, coming up on Action News Jacks at 5. We're talking to a bunch of folks to get their reaction as well. But, I mean, just recently was in the news, uh, very outspoken. Now, he, he, he backed Mayor Curry's pension um, restructuring. Um, the, uh, Mayor Curry went to bat and, and, and had a lot of things, um, political capital that was spent to get the, the pension situation um, squared away, if you will. And, uh, you know, Democrat, God bold, supported Mayor Curry's efforts there. But then he just also recently came out and was very critical of Mayor Curry's efforts to examine whether we wanted to sell JEA. He was very much against selling JEA. So, uh, you know, he, 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 he he had a he, he had his opinions and he he stuck by them he he was and that's I think you know what a lot of people are going to say about him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, so sad day in that respect, but I also think uh, it, great memories. Uh, yeah, of I mean, where we are in Jacksonville again. If you talk visionaries and what we're trying to see downtown or what could happen downtown, uh, to me he he is one of those men that helped shape. Uh, the way things are in Jacksonville right now, and and now we're wondering if if the folks in office, the people, the powers that be, um, whether that's Shad Khan and Mark Lamping and everybody else, are are going to take it to even the next level. Yep. But uh, that foundation, that base, was really Mayor Jake Godbold. Yeah, you look, he, he was mayor from '78 to '87, and that was kind of right on the cusp of Jacksonville, kind of becoming. You know, a bigger city, if you will, from from being a, a, a you know what what some would call a sleepy little town at one point to, you know, where we are now, um, substantially bigger and, and and more wide widely known, but in part because of the NFL franchise that we've gotten um, since then. So yeah, I think it's you know I think it's going to be a celebration. I mean, uh, obviously a sad day to lose a, a leader like that, but he has uh, a firmly planted legacy in this town that I think everybody who's been here for a long time is going to celebrate today and for a while to come, actually. Yeah. And by the way, for folks that have been here a lot longer than we have, right. can, can speak more volume Absolutely. than we can about yeah. him. Uh, so yeah. well, we're trying our best, but the stories that we've heard and obviously things we know he did. Uh, Mayor Lenny Curry did issue a statement today and said, in part, his work to help expand small business in Jacksonville is only matched by his passion for big projects in downtown. The Skyway, South Bank Riverwalk, Convention Center, and numerous other projects and venues are a result of his dedication to help Jacksonville grow and thrive. I saw something else that he helped he helped promote uh, you know the tennis tournament over in Amelia um, so yeah, I mean it's just you know endless uh, the old list of, law, yeah, yeah yeah so anyway uh, lots of things and uh, a lot of people um, giving you know um, paying their respects um, throughout the next couple of days for that I'm sure and we'll have okay. that of course coming up and um, a whole bunch of other stuff frankly you know more impeachment stuff um, we've got um, I'm gonna it's, it's a sad story but it's also kind of a, a uplifting story in some senses the uh, family of Eli Warren the 10 year old boy who was killed in that head on crash on I10 a couple of weeks ago they are ha- they, you know they're dealing with their grief but one way they're doing that is by trying to help others so they are heroically launching a blood drive in his honor and um really pretty neat story and so we're going to talk I think to Eli's dad uh, about his efforts for that so um that'll be pretty cool too 
All right. Well, let us know if we can share information on that Absolutely. when it becomes available. You bet. John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, uh, I, I don't know. Are you flying solo tonight? Bridget Matter with you tonight? Absolutely. Uh, Actually, um, <laughs> we had. So, yeah. Well, no, I'm not. I've got Lorraine Inclan in tonight. It's, <laughs> a, it's a, you know, we go, to, we go and we look and we say, hey, let's do it. Let's, Lorena's going to be in here today. <laughs> let me, hey, hey, really quickly, let me tell you. This shows how far I'm down the depth drop, I, man. I, <laughs> hey, I, think, I think we would have a, a really good newscast, Brent. Um, <laughs> So really quickly, I got to just share this. I, I, we're not doing the story until February, but I had the opportunity today to meet um, Chief Dolores O'Neill, the first African American woman chief in JSO. And let me tell you something. This woman is absolutely remarkable, and her story is incredible, and she is as motivating as you could possibly imagine. Uh, and I get to share her story. It's going to come in a couple of weeks, so I'll, I'll tell you more about it later. But I got to just tell you, when I when I was down there with her, I, it was it was really uh, inspirational, frankly. And uh, that's where I was when I heard the news about Godbold. But anyway, All right. yeah, uh, really cool, cool stuff. Uh, we got some good people who grew up in our city who have done some amazing things, from Mayor Godbold to uh, Chief O'Neill, who grew up over uh, uh, in in Northwest Jacksonville and is now doing great things to try to change our city. So it's really cool. Very cool, man. All right, guys. Uh, all right John Bachman, I will see you tonight, 5 o'clock, Action News Jack, CBS 47, and Fox 30. Thank Have you. a good rest of your day. Brent Morton, Austin Lane here. Marcel Robinson trying to knock down some shots. He knows he's in the camera. Go throw one down, Austin Lane. Don't give it away. Don't tip off the opponent of the Jacksonville Giants. I think Baltimore, right? I think that's who's playing Saturday night, 730 at the arena. Getting a little extra practice in, in his vans. How do you take a guy seriously on a basketball court in vans? Want to bring a skateboard in here? <laughs> what a come, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 from UNF Arena. The best thing that I've heard so far from anybody, probably Bruce Smith. He, he gave me a shout out. He, he said, name one of the people that reminds him of him growing up. He said me, man. That's motivation. That's that's that that means a lot for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like so, so now that's just a stepping stone for me. Yeah. I gotta hold myself to a higher standard. That's pretty cool. That's Josh Allen down at the Pro Bowl talking about how Bruce Smith had that nice compliment for him and uh and John, we talked to Yannick Ngakwe. And, and by the way, I really don't like when people go to the narrative of Yannick Ngakwe or Josh Allen. It's not an it's not an or. We've said this for months now. Correct. It's an and, and that's what you want it to be. I mean, you have something. The Jacksonville Jaguars don't have a lot of things that other teams don't have. They really don't. Yeah. <laughs> They've been at the bottom of the pile for a long time. And therefore, they don't have stuff that that other teams have. Whether it's quarterbacks, uh, whether it's uh, the, you know the best coaching, whether it's the, whatever you want to say, Correct. playmakers. They have something that every team in the NFL would be envious of. Mm-hmm. They have two pass rushers under the age of 25 that look like the real deal, and that's why it's an and conversation and not an or conversation. And I really love uh, you know we we talk about Yannick Ngakwe's professionalism and how he handled things and uh, you know people are a little bit kind of over the cryptic tweets but I'm talking about how he handled himself on the field and, and getting ready for this season despite only playing for two million bucks well ever since I met Josh Allen at the draft I don't know how you can't be excited about this guy there's a maturity level to him he still kind of plays the game and has a little kid in him yeah. you can sense but he's not a kid from 
acknowledging what he just said. Like, I got to up my game. I mean, there's a standard to be hit here. I can't be satisfied with ten and a half sacks my rookie year, making the Pro Bowl as an alternate. I got to go dominate and and reach for the stars of a guy like Bruce Smith. Smith and look at his career. A guy where Calais Campbell has been and is going potentially, uh, and even Calais will say it, and he's told me before, he's like, listen, it took me a handful of years to figure this thing out. I wasn't tapping into all my potential. Well, the earlier a guy like Josh Allen can figure that out, then the sky does truly become the limit in terms of how many sacks and how productive a career he can have. The sky is going to be the limit because, like I talked about before on this show, Brent, right now Josh Allen has just showcased his athleticism and his freakish power, okay? Once you start defining your pass rush techniques a little more, you start using your hands a little more, that footwork, and you put it all together, yes, you're going to be absolutely unstoppable, in my opinion, in Josh Allen. But if you don't have another bona fide defensive end on the other side of you for teams to game plan around, well, then teams are going to key in on you all day, and that makes life a lot harder. The benefit that Josh Allen had this year, number one, obviously, he was a rookie, so you know there wasn't a lot of footage of him out there at the time when teams were playing him, but also Zionic Ngakwe on the other side. Sure, it's one thing to have a legitimate three technique like an Aaron Donald, you know, um, like even like a Chris Jones. Like that helps things out on the edge as well. But if, if you have two bona fide defensive ends to game plan around, it limits what you can do on the offensive line because there's always going to be the, the weak points there. Brett Martin, Austin Lane here at UNF Arena. Are you going to make it? Are you all right? I mean, can you go five rounds of an MMA fight? I don't know, man. I mean, are you well conditioned? I'm you not sound bad. like you're breathing a little heavy. Am I breathing heavy? I'm sweating. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. J- jumping in vans, not the best idea. No, uh, I asked you <laughs> if you wanted a skateboard, but you were trying to dunk while you were dunking. Oh, try, yeah, tried or were dunking, Brent. There's two differences there. But Marcel, we had this whole conversation on the way home from Mobile. Okay. Like, Marcel wouldn't stop talking about his phone. And if he was going to get, <laughs> did he get it? phone, guess what? Oh, he's got it. He's all over his phone. You know why? Of because he got his new phone. Well, here's the real question. Marcel, did you do that slow-mo selfie for your dunk that you did? Oh, see? You're missing Not out, yet. man. Not yet. Well, when you get, Not you, yet. When you get your new uh, iPhone I'm 11 about Max I did Pro the, I did the backup Golden. overnight. So I just got to yeah, join you, the club. You're really worried about this whole backup thing, man. No, man. I got a lot of stuff on my phone. I got you. So using the iCloud then? Yeah. All right, cool. I don't know if I trust the iCloud that much, but I'm going to do it, I think. Well, it works for you, Marcel? It has been hacked before, just to let you know. Yeah, I don't care about that. I don't have that okay. kind of, I just want, like, my pictures and sure. the kids' stuff and, and everything else. All my financial information. <laughs> <laughs> so the hackers want that, too, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but So, anyway, glad you got the new phone, Marcel. Now, these guys have been showing off. They've been dunking a little oh, yeah. bit, both Marcel and Austin, throwing down. Putting on a show. And then what does the white guy do? Free Five throws. foot ten, Discipline. just walks right to the free throw line. I respect and that's my it, first shot. I respect one it, man. One for one. I respect it, Brent. I, I, I honestly do respect it, man, because it's about the fundamentals, right? I mean, you know, we can call Tim Duncan the big fundamental. Brent Martineau, the little fundamental. I appreciate it. I feel like I need to move the camera a little bit, so I'm going to do this just to at least get whether the ball goes in or not. So you can at least see it tickling the twine. All right. Now oh, we've got Marcel, Marcel doing some. Stop dribbling. He's all about it, man. Stop dribbling. <laughs> uh, all right, I've got something else for you. What do you got? Larry Fitzgerald, which we we're just talking about, some of the greats, right? Bruce Smith and Calais Campbell and all these guys getting involved, the Pro Bowl and Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe's been there before. Well, Larry Fitzgerald is like, he's like the poster child for like professional athlete oh, in the NFL, doubt, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't respect you have Antonio sport. Brown stuff going on of any sport. In any sport, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we have guys, and I'm trying to think of, like, the pillar 
of professionalism. Sure. And I guess everybody would point to people like Peyton Manning and such. Yeah. I almost feel like Larry Fitzgerald is even in a category above those guys. Yes. Uh, I would absolutely agree because do you know why? And it's kind of the catch-22. And I agree with you. I think Larry Fitzgerald right now is the most professional NFL player going in the league. But is he the household name? And I would argue yeah. to say to the casual fan that he's probably not. Now, one could say, well, that's because he plays in Arizona. Okay, maybe. But, you know, it's the NFL these days. I mean, I feel like everybody knows all the teams and everything. But it's the fact that he is so professional with his brand. I mean, he has the best brand going for him, right? But as far as, like, the endorsements, as far as the limelight, now, I'm not sure if Larry Fitzgerald wants all that anyways. But I'm just saying from being that household name, you know, I can name you the Antonio Browns. I can name you the Odell Beckham Juniors. And Larry Fitzgerald, in my opinion, is far down that list. Absolutely. So it brings us to this. He just recently purchased stake in the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Uh, I guess Aaron Rodgers has stake in the Milwaukee Bucks. Correct. Hey, slide on over here so we, oh, can, get, we can get the basket in the background. Because okay. all I'm really trying to do is get uh, 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 Marcel missing. This is really like a highlight tape from Marcel yeah. Robinson. Well, here. either highlight tape or how many bricks that I he's like going to have in the background for your viewing pleasure. Um, <laughs> if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Twitch, and make sure you watch it on Twitch a little bit, too. We like that. Uh, get more and more uh, followers on Twitch every day. But so Fitzgerald buys stake in the Phoenix Suns. Rogers has some in the Milwaukee Bucks, which shows you just how much money these guys make these days, that they're able to make these kind of investments. Yeah. You know, Interestingly enough, I think Derek Jeter, what I love about Jeter as he goes into the Hall of Fame, I love that he started the Players' Tribune. There's really yeah. good stuff on the Players' Tribune. Fantastic stuff. I, I think there's some great, great content there. And he, he was a big investor in that. Or I, I don't know if it was really his idea, but the Players' Tribune is pretty cool to well, me. I mean, he's a genius, right? Because what better way to hear it from a player's mouth than have the players kind of write their own stories? Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's the perfect setting for a lot of things. And the way they do that and the buy-in from the player is so unique. It, it's a, in, in this day and age, it's tough to be unique and different in how you present things because it, it, it's like we've seen it all. Yeah. Well, I think the, the Players' Tribune does a nice job of that. So what I'm getting at is what would you invest in mm. if you were a player? Yeah. If you had a chance to. Uh, like, what other sports franchise you're getting at, right? Or, or just yeah, anything in general. Well, I get more, I'm thinking more sports franchise. Like, what sure. would you do with with all these millions of dollars and where to put I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers obviously has enough money where he's buying like a $35 million mansion in California with Danica Patrick. Yeah, yeah. And he still has room to buy money with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I, I don't know what his stake is. It could be very minimal. Uh, even listen, Daniel Murphy has made a pretty good amount of money in uh, in Major League Baseball here in Jacksonville. He has now a stake in the Jacksonville Iceman. That's kind of cool, yeah. right? Something for his family to do and and um, have some local ownership of something. I get the feel that's. I'm not sure. If, like Larry Fitzgerald is a huge Phoenix Suns fan. I'm not sure if he is or not. Yeah, I, I, I guess know. you grow to be once you're in that town for all that long. That's but, a that's a rough franchise to be excited about the past couple decades. But now he's got a stake because it's kind of his hometown. You yeah. know, it's some, same with uh, Aaron Rodgers to a degree. Milwaukee's the, that local town. Sure. So where would you go? It's uh, a great question. See, and, and here's the thing about it, Brent. Like I could say, yeah, you know, Milwaukee Brewers and stuff. But like the baseball is such a long because I, I guess it begs the question of. So if you do have the like a, like a stake of the ownership, right? Well, then how much time are you willing to invest in that, right? Because let's talk about it. We're, we're pro athletes here, Brent. We're we're spending our hard-earned money on a different franchise. My background would say, well, we got to be there as much as possible. 
You know, like yeah. we, we, we have to show up, we have to show face because like this is my baby now. Like I I, I want to see a winner, so I have to do everything in my power to do that. So to say, yeah, I'd love to have some of the brewers. It's cool to say, but. That's a lot of work also. Yeah, you don't have time for that, though. You've got to come at it from this point of view. Like, you you are a minority stakeholder. Okay. Uh, so you you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Okay, you, so you, you, get, you, you, you just show up for a beer. Man. Yeah, you just show up, have a beer, have a hot dog, yeah, and call it a day. You know what? You get a great parking pass, <laughs> VIP to a suite, yeah. you know, all those kind of things because you now own part of the team. All right. Uh, but you don't necessarily, you're not in board meetings once a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the way you got to approach this. So if it's up to me, then what team am I going to buy some steak in? I mean, you know me, dude. I'm a big Wings fan. So I love hockey. Uh, I love watching the Iceman play. Um, I love Detroit from the hockey town perspective. I love where they're going in the future, so I'd probably go with the Wings. You know what else? I'm trying to think of who else has done this in sports. So what is LeBron James? Is LeBron James invested? Like he's got his uh, what is that? Uninterrupted. So he's he has got some of those uninterrupted. Kind of he's got the HBO stuff. He's got um. He used to have an AAU team. I'm not sure if he still has them anymore. But back when I played AAU ball, he had his own AAU team. So he's invested in that. Um. Oh, he's also like a. I don't. I don't think he's like a part owner. Maybe he's like there's a percentage. But he also has his own app for meditation. That he, he really? that, that he pushes a lot. Yeah, I forgot what it's called, but he's, and then, he's everywhere. See, what happens in in uh, in golf is like Jack Nicholas designs his own golf courses. Sure. Tiger Woods started his own design company. Yeah. And so you can do that kind of on the side, and he's still playing golf, and, mm-hmm. and and those things make sense. In fact, that's where my mind wandered a little bit early on. It's like you don't buy a stake in like the Players Championship, but I would say if I had funny money. Yeah. I would own some way or shape or form a golf course, okay. or at least part of it. You okay, know? see, I thought but, we were but talking that's a little different. Here, I yeah. No, no, no. I'm yeah. say, uh, that, that's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, it, I mean, if you think about the teams that you grew up liking, it would be the Red Sox. I couldn't afford the Red Sox unless I had a heck of a lot more funny, funny money sure, than we're talking sure. about. I'm not even sure Larry Fitzgerald could afford a stake in the in the Red Sox unless like a half a percent. It's going to come at a premium. Yeah, that's big yeah. bucks. Uh, I bet you can. I didn't know NBA teams what they're worth. The Celtics. Uh, the Bruins, I wouldn't have an interest in. Magic? Would you be interested in that? Close uh, to like, home? The, 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 the Orlando Magic. Now, uh, here, no, not yeah. really. Okay. No. <laughs> At least you're honest. No. The Heat? Uh, no. Uh, no. No? Okay. No. Uh, no Bay South Rays. Beach for Martin. No. Tampa Bay Rays, they might be moving. Yeah. So <laughs> You don't want to be pot committed to them. Here's, here's the thing. I think it would be fun. I grew up as a... Uh, uh, more in the minor league baseball world, like I interned with the Pawtucket Red Sox. Yeah, uh, I have this appreciation for minor league baseball. Okay, I think if Ken Babby would slide me a little bit of of a, of a piece of of the shrimp. Okay, I would maybe I would do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I was speaking of the shrimp. I was wondering today. My friends are going over this. So you know, obviously they renamed the stadium now for the next four yeah, or five one years. One financial. I don't think they released how much that cost. How much do you think it would cost to call ESPN 690 Stadium? You know, um, probably a little bit. Okay, well, but we can go half. We could work on some. We can go half. I'm just saying. Well, now we have to wait another four years. I think it is, Brent, or something like that, to rename it again. So we'll have to wait our turn here. How's uh? How-
like your 401k and stuff doing okay. Oh, you, I mean, you know right. how it is. Hey, you know how the 401k sometimes, sometimes you got to take a chance. Extra peachy, man. Extra for peachy. For the brand. I mean, as Pat I can, McAfee would say. Uh, for the brand, I can go ahead and pull that 401k out and take that 10% pen- penalty if it means that we're going to rename the Jacksonville Shrimp Stadium, man. I'm, I'm for that. I'm yeah, I mean, good. we were going to do the arena, but then Vistar jumped in. I know, I man. Mean, I know. Right before we but, were going to do it. So, but getting back to your point, though, and you said you'd maybe invest in a golf course. And, and I like that. I can see that for you. I guess from my standpoint, if I'm not going to invest in a team, like a concept or an idea, it's something that we've actually, you and I have talked about before on the show. But it's almost like, and I don't know what you'd really call it, but it's giving the on-the-field access, right? Where you, you put the commentators to the side and you have an option where the players are mic'd up. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, the, the, the calls are getting called. Remember we talked about a... a the all-star game, I remember. Yeah, yeah. When, when, you know, they're talking back and forth to players. And I'm not saying that extensive, obviously, because players have to focus, especially when it's in a meaningful game. But some kind of, like, behind-the-scenes access. Because we always know, like, listen, people love the locker room access. People love the on-the-field access. Sometimes people want to hate on it then when they get too much of it, a la Richard Sherman all those years ago in Seattle. But I feel like some kind of branding thing where you take the commentators out of it, you just get the players on the field, their perspective, and I say we invest in that. That's good. Yeah, I like it. Uh, and you can kind of pick who you want to listen to type yep, of thing. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about that. We were. That'd be really cool. You just got to get them to sign off, which means you got to probably pay them money to do it. <sighs> say, like, I don't care. Just a no Selfishness, form, man. I know. Right? That's what it's, it's got to be. Um, yep. uh, it'll be like you just got to – either that or it's like you're listening to that Eminem album we were listening to on the way back. <laughs> oh, don't, see, don't spoil it, man, because that, that was part of my balling, actually. No, that's all right. You're, that's you're, all right. You're, there. you're my balling. Uh, so we're supposed to do it yesterday, but we never got to it. All right. We'll get to that a little bit later, especially <laughs> if I'm in it. Anytime Brent can talk about himself, he's all for it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of branding. Uh, you know, the thing about the Larry Fitzgerald stuff, I think that's interesting, or Aaron Rodgers, first of all, it shows the amount of money these guys make now. Mm-hmm. You know, like NASCAR drivers, golfers, they all have these other businesses, like Phil Mickelson, whatever else he's invested in. Uh, you know, people have, you know, uh, it was uh, Peyton, was was he invested in the Papa John stuff before all that stuff started to go I on? I believe so, yep. yeah. Well, and I think Shaquille O'Neal is still invested in the Papa John's. Shaquille O'Neal's got, like, all sorts of stuff, because he broke out, like, Krispy Kreme donuts on set the other day, which yeah. means he's invested in that. Yeah, I know he's got that. He's got Jergens. I think he's doing the, he? the lotion. Yeah, yeah. And then I, he's always in those general commercials. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if you're invested in the general auto insurance, man. Whatever, dude. Do you? But he's also with the general. So I, I just are are players more savvy of that now? We we I feel like we talked about this a lot uh, last year of branding of players, but it's also like dollars. Mm. And now there's a dollars and cents element to so many of these players. I'm not saying guys were dumb before and they didn't know what to do with it. I just don't think the dollars were that available, so you didn't think of all these things. Now as a player, a current player, you can still be active, and you're thinking of all these different ways to invest your money and how you can do it. And I think almost to the detriment sometimes. Remember, I'm not a big fan of LeBron moving to L.A. because of all this other extra stuff that he has going on. I think yeah. I think that's kind of foolish. I think you can be anywhere now and get anywhere you need to go. So I, I didn't like that reasoning of why he's going out to L.A. to kind of help this second career when, when basketball is done. Maybe it works for him. I just wasn't a big fan of it. But my point being, you can invest in all these things or different things because, you, one, you make so much money as superstar athlete these days. Yeah. And, two, I think you have the savvy. You've seen other people do it. It's worked for them, how you spread out your portfolio, if you will. I mean, heck, you can only put so much money in the in the stock market. You can only buy so big of a – so. Uh, so many cars or, or this big of a house. Yeah. And uh, it's I, I like the fact that players are thinking of different ways to kind of 
uh, invest that money. Whether it will pay off or not, we'll see. Well, let's think of it like like this, Brent. Because even when I played, you know, I mean, like the stock market was a big thing, right? Like my financial advisor encouraged me to invest in the stock market, and most of the time it was things that I didn't even hear of before. I did, it was letters I never even thought you could put <laughs> together, right? And and there's only so much Jim Cramer you can watch on, on Mad Money. The dude's intense. He's cool for the first ten minutes, but but now but now. He is. But Brent, I spent all my money in the first ten minutes after watching them. Absolutely, but but now we're in the new era, Brent, where you can invest in things that you're passionate about. You can invest in other sports. So in a way, if you're a professional athlete, you can afford it. It's almost not like you're playing the stock market now. You're just investing your money in something that you enjoy to go to. You're yeah. investing your money in something that you enjoy to follow. And guess what? You're making money off that too. So to me, it's a win-win situation. And I think, I mean, obviously, I never made enough money to invest in in sports teams. But it's kind of a genius way to look at it. I mean, where you can invest in something that you're passionate about. All I want is Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on a freaking billboard. How much is that going to cost? I like that, man. Let's make that happen. Maybe we'll give Larry Fitzgerald a call. Well, Brent, don't worry about it. When we go to that uh, Giants game this Saturday, our stocks can go sky high. Absolutely. That's coming up 7.30 Saturday night at the other arena. We're at UNF Arena, 7 o'clock tonight. Liberty and UNF. We'll talk a little bit more about that one. One hour to go here on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out. We got to grow, man. It's, uh, we got a lot of young guys. But other than that, man, we just got to play as one. I feel like we have the right goal. Everybody does. You know, we have leaderships like Pelez. I, I want to follow Pelez because what he's done in his career, you know, something I want to do in my career. Uh, so I feel like we all get guys that has stopped the individual's like, goals and have a team goal. You know, cause I feel like if you have team success, it brings individual success. That's Josh Allen at the Pro Bowl in Orlando this week. Practices continue. Game Sunday, a meaningless game, of course. Meanwhile, we're here at UNF Arena, and we might be able to set up a little West Side Story scene. <laughs> I was at one end of the court. Sharks and the Jets, right? There's just some folks we don't like very much. We've challenged them to a game. They've denied. We might just have to, like, say, no radio in Jacksonville. <laughs> for the next half hour, we need to play a little three versus three. Just go ahead and let the stream run. No comment whatsoever, and we'll see what we got, bro. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of out of breath again for the last I time on the show. Uh, I tried to give you guys a little sneak peek at uh, uh, Marcel Robinson and Austin Lane playing a little hoops. You guys dunked it. You almost got denied by the ring uh, rim, if yeah. I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did bounce it off the backboard and then try to dunk it, so it is what it is, Brent. Yeah. Um, but by the way, let's be clear. If if we were to challenge the uh, other end of the court, don't want to name any names. Not naming any names, it would not be much of a contest. Let's just say I, I like our odds right now. I do too. What, what would Las Vegas have us out as a favorite? Oh, uh, heavy. I mean, we're, we're talking twelve, thirteen hundred, right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's it's like it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, what was like in the college football playoff. Wasn't there like a heavy favorite for LSU? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Against Oklahoma? Yep. It'd be kind of like that. Yep. SEC over here, Brent. I'm ready. I'm ready to play. Big boy. Well, here's the real question. Because there's a lot riding on this Jacksonville Giants warm-up thing. A lot more than should be riding on it. But it's coming down to you say you're going to throw me an alley-oop. Now, I'm not sure how many we're going to get. Obviously, we have the pressure of the other players, our, our teammates, if you will, watching us, going through lines with us. How confident are you that you'd actually get this alley-oop down for me? I... I I think I'm okay with it. Um, after watching your ups, I'm a little bit less confident. Once again, I can't stress this enough. I'm wearing Vans slip-on tennis shoes right now. Uh, but I think we'll be okay. I, I, I'm, I think I could throw an alley-oop. But if, if give me a radius like within, uh, you know, like a foot and a half, 
Okay. But I'll throw it up there. Okay. Um, that's, that's all I need. I mean, I need you to get in some kind of vicinity of the area, of the rim, and I'll do the rest. Yeah. That's Stockton, Tim Malone. Here we go. That's the thing. And with the Jacksonville Giants players, man, those guys really will do the rest. Oh, like, it's, it's I insane. I mean, their wingspan is unbelievable. Well, and, and, and I was telling you today, Brent, and, you know, I mean, obviously we've been pumping them up a lot, but I see why they're so good. And I see why they have so much success. Because the way they practice, man, like I remember my high school practice as basketball, let's be honest. It was a lot of three-point shooting, a lot of whatever. And we were a good team, don't get me wrong. But the, the, the way they practice, Brent, where every single point matters, it's almost like they're in a game. And I even asked one of the, the guys that was playing, I'm like, dude, are you guys always this intense? And he told me, like, this is the game right here. When when we play this Saturday, like, that's extra for us. Like, that's underneath the lights, and that's fun. But we get the games done in here. Yeah, they legitimately are the best team in the league, and they have been for a while. They have six-time uh, champions. Yep. They're undefeated in number one ranking right now. And I think you're right because I think they're all battling for playing time, like, in the practice to get out on the floor with for Coach Jerry Williams. So you've got your hands full Saturday night. Just logging some minutes is tough on that I team know. because they are really good. Brent Martin, Austin Lane here at UNF Arena. we got a big one tonight in the A-Sun. I haven't really talked a lot about it. We'll talk a lot of college hoops here in general. Um, but this is a fun one, really. These are two teams. Like, you know, March Madness is still, what, five, six, six weeks away. Sure. Uh, yeah, after the Super Bowl and, and all that stuff, uh, maybe it ramps up a little bit more. But these are two teams tonight that I would say have a 90% chance, if not more, of representing the A-Sun. Mm-hmm. One of these two teams. I think there's a separation between Liberty, UNF, and the rest of the conference right now that I've seen. And I think the records indicate that. Liberty's 5-0. and UNS 4-1. and They did lose to NJIT. I, I chalked that up as more of a... Uh, an off game, and I think if UNF were to play NJIT five times, I think they'd probably beat them four. Yeah. So I, I think that was the one-off. Uh, we'll see if I'm right on that. But uh, this is a big one tonight. And, and a lot of times in, in these conference tournaments, you need the home court advantage. That that helps so much. The year uh, UNF went to the NCAA tournament, they had it. This place was rocking. It was sold out. It was awesome. I remember that, man. Like ESPN was over here doing yeah, stories doing, about them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, ESPN did the game. So you know, that was in 2015. The Ospreys trying to get back there, and they are built a little bit like that team that went to the tournament in 2015. This is a good UNF team. They were young for a little bit, trying to replace so many of those guys. Well, they have done that, and they have a lot of talent, and once again, they're birds of prey. Yeah. That moniker is back because they lead the country in three-point shooting. Uh, they've made more than anybody else. They make 12 a game. In fact, JT Escobar just went out the building, and uh, JT for three is something you usually say for sure. uh, when you do these games because he's got big-time range transfer from Ole Miss from a couple years ago. But they've got everybody that can shoot it, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of experience. Liberty is like the same thing in terms of experience. They've got a, guys that have played a lot of basketball games for them. They went to the tournament last year. First year in the league in the A-Sun, they won. Mm-hmm. They were a 12 seed, and they beat Mississippi State in the opening round of the playoffs That's uh, of the NCAA tournament. That's how good they were. So this is a really good basketball team, but two different styles. Liberty likes to slow it down. They'll, they're second in the nation in scoring defense at 51 points a game. Ospreys want to get up and down, and, and if the, the shot clock hits 20, well, it feels like they've had the ball for a minute. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and they're going to shoot threes and a lot of threes, but their offense, if you watch their offense click, it is a thing of beauty. Uh, their offensive efficiency can be so good here at UNF, and Matthew Driscoll's really built this thing up. Should be a dandy of a game tonight. Again, we'll have it at 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we'll have the call of that one, but come on out. Be, see it. You want to see some good college hoops? 
see it tonight. Uh, Liberty is knocking on the door as a top 25 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if UNF sneaks out of here with a win tonight. And, and you talk about you know UNF's three-point efficiency and how much they like to shoot the tray. And to me, those are the teams that you want in the tournament, right? Those are the entertaining teams, and those seem to be the teams at least that can have some success in early rounds of the tournament. You know, I, I'm reminded of Wofford last year. Um, we watched them a little bit, man, and I forgot that player's name. But dude, I mean, they were right. you know, that's the, the arena, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the, they would just they would shoot at, lights out, and that's number one entertainment purposes for the ratings, obviously, but also the success because you're used to a lot of teams in, in the country, you know, maybe play a little bit of a slower pace. If you play against like a UNF and it's just nonstop three pointers and they're going down, you're in for a long night. Yeah, and that's the key, right? You got to knock down shots. Yeah. I mean, anybody's got to knock down shots. Live by the three, die by the three. You know, the coach of Liberty is uh, kind of he was at Virginia with yeah. Tony Bennett. Oh yeah. So he plays that style. They play that style. And, yeah. and I'm not knocking this out. It's a good style. It's an effective style. They it's it's one. It was one championships. Yeah. But it's a style too that if you don't score. Mm-hmm. Then you could be in trouble, and if you get down by six, eight points, the way you play, it can really get you out of your style of play. So early in this game, I think will be important for UNF to kind of take command of the game, maybe uh, dictate pace of play, knock down some shots, build a little bit of a lead. So maybe it takes Liberty out of their comfort zone, and they've got to move a little faster toward the end of the game or at some juncture in the game. So it'll be really, there's a lot of game within the game. Yeah. In this one tonight, because of the styles of play, but uh, should be a lot of fun to watch. And you can't say enough about what Matthew Driscoll has done here. You know, I'm going to do the game tonight, so I was doing a little homework and credit Brian Morgan for this. I did not realize this, but Coach now has been here and won 96 games in A Sun play. Listen to this stat. He's won 96 games in A-Sun play. He just won his 200th basketball game, and tonight, if he wins, will be his 175th win here at UNF. But he's won 96 in conference play. The rest of the league, their coaches combined have 98. Wow. <laughs> I, it, that really puts in perspective how long Coach Driscoll has been here. Yeah. And what he's been able to do here. Started this thing from scratch. I know you really weren't paying attention to UNF basketball at well, the time. But this thing was from scratch and, and built it from the bottom up. And then that run in 2015. Yeah. And they've replenished their roster. And never lost a ton of ground. I think they, they've continued to finish in the top four and have been to the semis and then the finals. And they've knocked on the door. They went to the NIT the one year. So he has kept this consistent. But this might be one of those years where it spikes a little bit. He's got a good enough team to go to the tournament. Yeah. And this would be a team we're talking about in March. Uh, and maybe this has this game tonight has a big way of, of saying where those kind of games could be played in March. I'll tell you what, man. Through all this time, they haven't lost any ground, and Coach Driscoll hasn't lost any energy, man. No that, guy's a, that guy's a riot, and I absolutely love it, man. It's it, it's contagious. It's palpable. And anytime he comes by, man, I, I enjoy listening to that guy speak, and I can see why his players play so hard for him. Listen, we're not talking a ton of College basketball, like I mentioned, we just did about UNF. But college basketball in in general this year, how do you view it? Is it down because you don't have the dominant team? You don't have the Zion Williamson guy that's stealing all the headlines? There are seven different number one teams, which I think is the most in the poll era, I think, Mm -hmm. is the most. I, I heard that. But there's no team to be like, ah, I love this team. Baylor's this number the one. one. They're coming into Gainesville Saturday night to play Florida. Yeah. But it's really, there's not a dominant team, which I think could make for an unbelievable 
NCAA tournament in yeah. that bracket. I, I mean, listen, like in terms of NCAA tournament, they're they're always entertaining because yeah, you have your Dukes and and you have your favorites of the Arizonas and all that stuff, but it doesn't seem to always pan out, shake out like it's supposed to. There's always the Cinderella stories, and that's why we tune in to the tournament. But yeah, this year, man, I mean. I, it, it, to me, it's just going to be all-out chaos because there isn't that one defining player, as far as I'm concerned, right now in, in college basketball. There's not that one defining team. And whenever you kind of have that, you know, the I don't know how to phrase it, but whenever you have the teams that are kind of playing in the same caliber of each other, there's not that one outlier. That makes for, number one, a pretty exciting, you know, conference tournament because then it comes down to the wire. You know, teams are trying to get in. Teams are trying to um, make it to the tournament. But, number two, then when they get to the tournament, that's where it all comes together, and it's an exciting time to watch some college basketball. I think the SEC is very reminiscent of what we're trying to say. I mean, it, you know, Kentucky lost to Evansville. By the way, Walter McCarty has since been fired yeah. uh, in that whole situation. But they lost to Evansville. Florida is, you know, they just seem like they're an okay team. They're getting better. I really, I've always been a big fan of Mike White, and I think he's getting their team better and better. But he's doing it right now in SEC play, which you're kind of like, okay, how good is everybody in the SEC? Great win over Auburn last week. Could they get another one uh, coming up this Saturday against Baylor in that SEC Big 12 matchup? That would be uh, a really good win for them. LSU has been strong. Uh, LSU beat Liberty. In fact, it's the only Liberty loss is to LSU. Yeah. And LSU just beat the Gators the other night by a couple points. But I think the SEC, to me, where you've got the Kentuckys and the LSUs and the Gators and the Auburn teams that you feel like, okay, they're pretty good. You just don't know how good they are. And to me, it exemplifies college basketball. It's the same thing you're saying. If you read down the top ten teams well, in the poll, you'll yeah. be like, hey, we think they're good, but we really don't know just how good they are. Well, and this is the cool thing, right? Because we're always used to teams from the SEC, teams from the Big Ten, you know, teams from the Big East that, you know, they're always in the top tens and everything like that. But if you look at this year, and let's be serious, it's going to change in a little bit here. But, you know, you have teams like uh, San Diego State right now, number four in the nation. They're undefeated, Brent. You got teams like Dayton right now, number seven in the nation. Teams like Villanova, number nine in the nation. Now, you know, they're, they're a big East team. They're, they're pretty popular. But then you got teams like, uh, you know, Seton Hall, number 10 in the nation. So it's a wide open field, it seems like, this year. And maybe a little more love for, like, those mid-majors, kind of those underdogs a little bit to try to make some splash, make some run this year for the tournament. All right, uh, we're going to get back to football talk uh, after this. We were at the Senior Bowl. We have some interviews from the Senior Bowl. More on maybe some of the sleepers the Jags could get at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Jose does say this on social media. When we're asking about what we should invest in, Brent, yeah. invest in a youth training facility for baseball or golf. I like it. He's on to something. Yep. Um, and those facilities have to be huge now, it seems like. Austin invested in an MMA training facility in Wisconsin. Ooh. That would see, no, I mean, there's there could be money in that, but there's a really, I mean, one of the best MMA training facilities in the world is Rufus Sport. It's called in Milwaukee, and that's okay. where a lot of the pros train. Um, so to go head to head with those would be kind of tough, probably. Because yeah. I mean, they have a lot of credentials behind their name. Well, just bring it to Jacksonville then. Yeah, there we go. In MMA Jim in Jacksonville. Yeah. Hey, yep. what what um what is like the headquarters for MMA? What do you mean? Like where where is like the hotbed in the United States? I oh, know, okay. I know it's an international sport. Yeah. But you know, if if we say baseball, we say, oh man, South Florida, California, sure. yeah. Texas, football, California, Texas, yep. Florida, Southern states, uh, basketball. To be honest with you, in the the Midwest, right? Oh, Good call. Indiana. Yep. Uh, I think even lacrosse. If I said lacrosse, you'd go that Mid Atlantic region, the Marylands and Jerseys and yeah. New Yorks. So it's a good question. Everybody's man. got that in, in sports usually. Yeah. Um, uh, hockey, right? Up in New England, of up course. North Wisconsin. Yep. So where is is there that in the MMA? There is. There absolutely is. Yeah. So I would argue that 
So, for instance, when you look at where the MMA hotbeds are, you have to look at, obviously, the gyms, right, where the guys train yeah. and where the champions train. So, um, South Florida, uh, like Coral Gables area, okay. um, there's American Top Team. That's one of the best gyms in the world. So, I'd definitely say South Florida has a lot of talent. I would also say New Mexico. Um, that's where Jackson Wink um, is located, their gym. They have, like, Holly Holm. They have John Jones. They had Cowboy Cerrone for a while. So, they have a lot of the top fighters, and then, obviously, in California as well. But, I mean, it's a really good question, and the same can be applied for wrestling, actually, because in, in collegiate wrestling, it's all about the Midwest, man. That's it. Um, I, I have some friends who coach wrestling around Jacksonville at, um, at you know various high schools, and they even say, you know, like, I mean, Florida is starting to grow a little more, especially in the South, I think, but in terms of, like, collegiate wrestling going forward, you know, like the Division One prospects, dude, the Midwest is just chocked full for whatever reason. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Iowa. obviously Iowa. Yeah. When I was in New York, we did a lot of high school sports. We covered wrestling. There were some good wrestlers that would go to like a Penn State yeah. or, or an Iowa or yeah. something like that. Um, but no doubt that's where it is. I will say this. I don't hear a lot of wrestling talk around here other than two spots, and I'm sorry if I'm going to leave some schools out, but Clay, since I've been here in the last dozen years, always had a good wrestling program. What I don't know exactly is where do would they be in terms of, like, if you place them in the Midwest? Sure. You know, I don't know how that would fit. They're very good around here. Yeah. Camden County just won, I think it was a sixth consecutive state championship in, in wrestling yeah. uh, this past weekend. Yeah. So they're obviously very good in southeast Georgia. But, again, I don't know how that would correlate to what if you put them and that talent that they have on the on the wrestling mat up in the Midwest. I think you're right on the money, though. It's a sport that kind of goes under the radar around here yep. uh, in the South, it feels. No, absolutely. You know, and it's just, I mean, obviously we're accustomed to it because we, we didn't have wrestling in our high school, but there's all the schools around us had a bunch of wrestling. And to put it in perspective, I remember there's a school by the name of Wisconsin Rapids. It's where my, uh, my stepdad went to high school. I want to say at one point they won 29 of the 30 Division One, which is the highest division, state titles in the state of Wisconsin, and then, you know, they, they would travel all around the country and do work just because that's all they do, man. I mean, since they're, you know, they can walk, they're wrestling. So it's just, it's crazy to kind of live that type of lifestyle, but I will say this, though, and I've said it before on the show, Brent, if you want to hire a good worker, man, like, like an intern or something like that, you're at a, you're a manager of a job, you're trying to bring some good guys in, wrestlers, man, because they're used to the grind, they're used to being uncomfortable, and they always seem to flourish. And they know how to throw up in a trash can. That too, yes, You yes. better know how to throw up in a trash can <laughs> if you're a wrestler. Uh, I will say one last thing about wrestling. If you could pick one sporting event at the high school or collegiate level outside of football mm. to go to, Oof. and you want an electric atmosphere, yeah, and you're just looking for something to do, and doesn't matter where you just want the atmosphere, man. Sure. Go to a wrestling meet. Without a doubt. It's unbelievable. Oh, I mean, I, I've been to the ones in Jacksonville, like the districts or whatever they call them in Jacksonville. Dude, it's it's fantastic because it's nonstop action. There's always a match going on. There's always parents going crazy. There's always coaches yelling. It's just it's a really cool atmosphere. I highly encourage people to go check that out. And not only that, half the time you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and like, there's, is that and there's two that points too. for what? Like, and, what is that? What just happened? <laughs> and there's that, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when we come back, we know a little bit about football. We're going to talk more about our trip to Mobile, Alabama, an interview or two coming up and maybe some fines the Jags could make. People yep. aren't talking. Yeah, the, the Javon Kinlaws of the world are there, right? The quarterbacks that people are talking about. I'm not sure those guys are, one, the quarterbacks are even, the Jags will be interested in. A Kinlaw guy, will he fit where the Jags are picking at 9 or 20? But what about some of those diamonds in the rough that they could find maybe in the third, fourth, fifth round? A couple of names to keep an eye on and Austin caught up with one of them. Uh, coming up, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Back to some football talk. Thanks for hanging with us on a Thursday.
God has been good. God has definitely has blessed me tremendously, and uh, you know, thankful. Just got to keep working. Yeah. Keep working. That's my mindset. Just keep getting better. Definitely a cool experience. Finally got to my first one. Being out here with all these superstars. Nothing more you can ask for. That's Derrick Henry down at the Pro Bowl in Orlando. Of course, Yuli product uh, by way of Alabama into the NFL with Tennessee and just had his best year. And he's going to get yeah. paid in some way, shape, or form. Uh, now down at the Pro Bowl having some fun and well-earned. What a nice year for Derrick Henry. We continue to talk about so much local talent uh, over the years with the Hall of Fame uh, and, uh, of course, out on that field nowadays. In the NFL, our guys uh, down there at, with Action Sports Jacks, uh, Stuart Weber included, also catching up with uh, Darius Slay from Brunswick. Brunswick actually has three players on the Lions that went to Brunswick High School. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. Dang. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Mecca. Uh, so pretty cool stuff uh, when it comes to the Pro Bowl and, and obviously all the talent we have here. Pretty cool stuff at the Senior Bowl, too, and we saw some of that talent yeah. that will go to the NFL. You were part of it as a player back in 2010. Now, the last couple of years, we've been in Mobile, Alabama, covered it. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane at UNF Arena. Big one tonight in the A-Sun. Liberty and the Ospreys coming up at 7 o'clock. Get on out to UNF Arena. Should be a lot of fun, and uh, you can also watch on ESPN Plus if you can't make it out, but love to hear you and see you here at uh, UNF Arena. As for the Senior Bowl, this is obviously a game where so many draft picks get seen. Uh, I feel like it's more a diamond in the rough game because most first-rounders, most lottery kind of picks are usually juniors, yeah. underclassmen, and they don't need to come to a game like this. Yeah. The Joe Burrows of the world, right? Uh, we won't. See, we didn't see him there. We didn't need to see him there. We had that discussion earlier in the week. Should even do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of those guys don't go to the Senior Bowl. Correct. Now they do get some good talent at the Senior Bowl, and I think it's better and better every year we go. But it's really for players that people might not be talking about all the time, not household names. But then you have a good week amongst these other players sure. that are seniors, and it it really pops out because now you're in front of scouts and. Well, in the Detroit Lions and Cincinnati Bengals case, you're with them the whole week in their coaching staffs. But you take some of the Florida guys. Van Jefferson, where is he in terms of the draft? I have no idea. I mean, is he going to get drafted in the fourth round? Is he going to get drafted in the sixth round? Is he going to get drafted at all? Yeah. Who knows? But this is a week that could really increase his stock, and a team or two or three really falls in love with him, and this is how you get picked. The Jaguars have done that before. I think an Aaron Colvin comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, Josh Oliver we kind of knew about, so I don't think he really fits in that. Do you think we saw some diamonds in the rough potential for the Jaguars, especially at some positions of need there in Mobile earlier oh, this week? Well, without a doubt, man. You know, and, and, and that's why I love the Senior Bowl so much, and that's why I love Senior Bowl week. It's kind of breaking down some of the guys that no one's talking about. Now, yes, was I really high on Kinlaw? Absolutely, but yeah. guess what? Everyone's talking <laughs> yes. about Kinlaw. And, and with all due respect to Javon Kinlaw, dude, I love the dude. But if I was him, man... I may not even play in the Senior Bowl. I would have been like, go back and watch the Alabama film. Well, he did. He, he actually he's done. Oh. Now he's, uh, he took a couple practices, was dealing with a little bit of tendonitis, okay. and he's out now. So well, and that happens yeah. to a lot no, of players. No, it, it does happen to a lot of players. You know, but if I'm at the combine, they tell me, hey, can you run the 40-yard dash? Nah, man, go watch the Alabama film. 
hey, can you get in this MRI machine? No, thank you. Go watch the Alabama film. Because that's all you got to see, man. The guy stood out. But like I said, I like to find the diamonds in the rough. And last year for me, it was Andy Isabella. Now, Andy Isabella got hurt a little bit for the Arizona Cardinals. But I was so intrigued by this dude because, number one, he's pretty unassuming, right? He's Let's be honest, Brent. He's kind of like that, that short white guy, uh, that slot receiver. And, you know, he can, can kind of go through the cracks a little bit. But reading up on him, doing some research on him, you know, a state 100-meter uh, champion. Um, I think he played the cross as well. Just kind of an all-around guy. And then he was up for the Bolitnikoff Award for top wide receiver. And like I said in the interview, I think he got gypped because I think he looks just like Bolitnikoff. And Bolitnikoff got a little <laughs> nervous for him. And they gave it to somebody else. That's either here nor there. And I also like Debo Samuel. But once again, if you name your kid Debo, you better believe he's going to do special things. So that was kind of a no-brainer at the same time. This year, I used the same approach. You know, I, I want to go with maybe some of the smaller school guys, some of the diamonds in the rough. And the guy that I fell in love with, starting to do some research on him before I got to Mobile, um, is Golden Gandy. Antonio, uh, I'm sorry, Antonio Gandy Golden, correct? Yeah, yeah, I make sure I got that right. Um, and the cool thing with Antonio Gandy Golden, obviously he's a small school guy, reigning from Liberty University, who we've been talking about a little bit today. Um, same schools with Rashad Jennings, former Jacksonville Jaguar, yeah, and Dancing with the Stars champion. I forgot about that he's from Liberty. Yeah. Seventh yeah. round pick of the draft. Exactly. So the, the, the cool thing, though, uh, uh, about Golden is the fact that He's a former gymnast, and that's what got my attention more than anything first, doing some research on him, is he did gymnastics growing up. So I was like, all right, I'm intrigued. And then I watched some of his film, Brent. We're talking about a 6'4 guy with great footwork, obviously with a gymnastics background, and the ability to go up and get everything that comes his way. So I was super intrigued by him. And once again, though, we have to ask the question, he is from a smaller school. How is he going to adapt to going against these maybe these SEC corners or you know these big time corners? Because it's one thing to be like I was a defensive lineman. All right, I'm just going to you know be as strong and physical as I can, and it should work out for me. And it did at the Senior Bowl for the most part. But the receiver, it's a different story, right? Now you have, you have guys jamming you in the face. Where if you play at the smaller school, maybe some of the corners are lacking in size, lacking in recovery speed, or lacking in agility. But now you're at the Senior Bowl, man. It's the best of the best. I think the best for like the wide receivers and the corners. It's uh, it could be a rude awakening. Well, not only that, I think it depends on who's throwing you the football in some oh, of these events, too. And are they, ha- are they sharp? Are they yeah. having good games, too? So it'll be interesting. But Antonio Gandy-Golden, someone that Austin Lane caught up with at the Senior Bowl this week. And keep an eye on him, a little under the radar, but a mm-hmm. potential diamond in the rough for any NFL team and maybe even the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joined by Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty University, another small school guy in my presence, man. How are we doing today? Good, how are you? Doing fantastic, doing fantastic. So, doing a little research on you, man. You're a former gymnast, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, when I was younger. How, do, how does that work? Um, I wasn't this tall. Yeah. You know, I wasn't this long, so it was, it was a lot easier. I can still do it, kind of do it now. You know, I'm just bigger. So, in terms of gymnastics, I got to think that helps out with your balance a little bit, your footwork, especially playing wide receiver. Do you find, like, gymnastics has helped you a little bit playing this position? Oh, yeah, just my balance and just my twitchiness, just my explosion, pretty much. Well, what have you been, your, like, your first thoughts here at the Senior Bowl so far, coming from a smaller school? I mean, is this kind of overwhelming to you? Are you having fun with it? Is it all business? What, what's your mindset right now going into this thing? Um, not really too too much overwhelming as it is just very busy, you know, meeting with a lot of guys, seeing a lot of new faces, saving a lot of new numbers, uh, but it's fun, it's exciting, you know, I'd rather be busy than bored. How hard is it, you know, to come into a new spot like this with new quarterbacks that you haven't really worked with before, and granted, you haven't practiced yet, so you're not sure on the on the field stuff, but is it hard to kind of build a new chemistry, a new relationship with a new quarterback that you're not used to catching balls from? 
Uh, I guess I'll just have to see when I get on the field, you know, but I don't think it will be. You know, a lot of these guys are elite guys, so I feel like we'll be able to pick it up pretty quick. In terms of your style, I mean, obviously you're a bigger gentleman here for a wide receiver. I mean, do you consider yourself more of a physical guy, more of a finesse kind of guy, a little bit of both? Like, what do you take pride in at the wide receiver position? I feel like I can mix in a little bit of both, you know, with my size. Have you gone through your first NFL meeting yet? I have. Thoughts? I got there... uh, it was a little nerve-wracking at first, just meeting with that first guy, you know. But uh, as the days went on, it's you know it's been getting easier. From from your standpoint, of, you know, being the small school guy, obviously you probably have a little chip on your shoulder right now. What are you focusing on most? What are you trying to showcase here at the Senior Bowl? Uh, that I can just you know I can release and I can play. You know I can I can create that separation. You know I can get in the end zone. So set aside from football, it's also sponsored by Reese's. Be honest now. How many Reese's Peanut Butter Cups have you eaten so far? I'm being honest. I haven't eaten any. Oh, so you're, you're just going to forego all temptation? Zero. I, I, Reese's, now it's my favorite chocolate, but yeah. for some reason I just haven't had a chance to. Straight up business trip, man. Oh, yeah. I respect the dude. Hey, best of luck to you, man. Thank we'll watch you down the hall. Thank you, man. <laughs> that was, you know what was great about that? He even threw in, I might not have had any, but it's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. At least he's dropping the plug. And listen, man, like like I said, I think he's going to be a special football player going forward. But if football doesn't work out, he can be the backup singer of Boys the Men. Cause uh. That dude's voice, man, he can just be like, baby, baby, come back. I'm sorry. You know, that dude in Boys the Men, yeah, you can definitely replace him with Gandy Golden if you want he to. He can be on the all-voice team once again <laughs> the in Jacksonville. all-voice team. I, mean, listen, I didn't know there's an all-voice well, yeah, team. Yeah, Mercedes Lewis was on it. For sure. I mean, we had him do an open to a show one time. That's how good his voice is. Yeah. We know Calais Campbell's on Without it. Without a doubt. And now we could add Antonio Gandy Golden. Add him on the list, man, for first team all voice. I like it. Now, the interesting thing is he doesn't say a whole lot. No, no. And, and that's kind of what I got into a little bit. Um, yeah, I think you guys actually have to practice, and I kind of got into it's funny talking to more of the smaller school guys the and then compared to the, the bigger school guys. Because I remember some of your interviews from Florida, those Florida guys you talked to. I mean, you know, very talkative, very eloquent. And I'm not hating on the guy from, you know, a smaller school at all, but I just think, like, man, this is a lot going at me. They got cameras in front of me. I was the same way because, yeah. let's be honest, Murray State, basketball school. Maybe every once in a while I had a camera here, I had a camera here. I maybe got a free ice cream cone once in a while from Dairy <laughs> Queen. Statute of limitations have passed, NCAA come at me. But for the most part, we think about, yes, the football field, and you're going against the top talent now from a smaller school, but it's also everything, Brent. It's, it's people wanting to ask you questions. It's people doing research on you and bringing up stuff from your past that no one's ever brought up before. So from that perspective, being a small school guy, it can be a little overwhelming. Well, I think it's fascinating, too, because you said you, you talked to Troy Pride Jr. as well, Notre yeah. Dame guy, obviously cameras in front all the time. Yeah. And that is there's an art to that. There's a comfortability to that. And so this isn't a knock on any of the small school guys, but I do think there is an adaptation to that, unless you're just this super outgoing guy, you know, and, and some people just have the gift of that anyway. Yeah. But I also think, it, it I don't know if it's a red flag necessarily, but I do think you got to be a little careful as a small school guy to have the deer in the headlights look. Mm. And to be in awe of the situation, not necessarily the interview with you. Yeah. I'm talking about the interview with scouts and coaches and everything Without else. Without a doubt. And there's there's definitely a little bit of a barrier there where there's some nerves. And it's a big moment in your life. I mean, here you are. I mean, this yeah. is what you dreamed about. This, the combine, other things. Yeah. But I do think it, they you can't have too much of that because that would scare me a little bit if I was a scout or a coach and saying, all right, I mean, we're gonna we got to get by that. Like, so how long does it take to get by that? Either in a half hour interview or the next time you talk to them, whatever it might be. That'd be a fascinating backstory of GMs and scouts who have interviewed players what? and been like, this, I I just think he was gonna be, oh my gosh, that's Calais Campbell. Oh my gosh, like instead of 
hey, let's go get to work. Like, Josh Allen is not in awe of anything. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, listen, and we, Jack Dario, the first time on the show, and I asked him, did my interview with you, with Brent and I go better than my, my combine interview? He said, absolutely. Well, I asked that question for a reason, because at the combine, oh, dude, I, it was my first interview in front of the whole team, and, and I failed with flying colors, man, because it's like you brought up. I was a small school guy, and I almost approached it like I try to go above and beyond to try to impress these people, right? So instead of, you know, approaching the, an interview at the, at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, like, you know, just talking, some guys talking some football. You know, me trying to share the knowledge that I know and reciprocate that to the scouts asking the questions. I treated it more like, these guys are the cops, and I'm trying to be on my best <laughs> behavior. Not even lying. Like, these guys are the cops. I'm trying to be on my best behavior and come across in a gentlemanly tone, like, yes, sir, no, sir, and all that kind of stuff, even though that's not really my style. That, that's really interesting because I think not just in football, but I think in any interview, there's people. I, people have done so many interviews. Yeah. Right. So if you're interviewing somebody, there there probably needs to be a certain amount of polish to the fact of okay, I get this is the interview and this is how I'm supposed to do things, but then there can be too much of that and less of the real person. Yeah. And so that balance in between of hey, this is professional. I know I'm supposed to kind of use the buzzwords. Yeah. I know I'm supposed to go here, but then open up enough to say this is who I am. Yeah. And, and can you balance that? And the people that can balance that, man, you can blow people away in an interview. Well, and it's even to the point where it's so insane. We're trying to make that good first impression. Like, we're at the combine. You know, we're just rocking sweats. We're trying to be as comfortable as possible in a stressful situation. But some guys even took it upon themselves to wear suits wow. when you're done with, like, the workouts. You know, you're wearing suits to go to your meetings. I'm not going to throw anybody at the bus and call out who was wearing suits at the NFL combine. Sam Bradford. But <laughs> I'm just saying, man, it happens, dude. It, it, it happens. And, like, to me, that's, like, above and beyond even acting like yes sir no sir now you're rocking suits at a combine craziness yeah you're kind of buying into that like from a quarterback perspective right the yeah. ceo I, I mean i get it I, I get why some people might have been yeah. them to do it and yeah. by the way some people might like it the, across that table they might like that yeah i know i, I hear you for everybody yeah. but it might it might like it uh hey you're gonna like this when we come back one more segment here at unf arena we get closer and closer to tip and uh just me and eminem hanging out <laughs> when we come back, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 6-9. It takes a lot of hard work. Uh, different from where I'm from. Uh, so uh, I enjoyed my process getting here. It was fun. I'm blessed enough to went to Mississippi State. Had a great time there. Learned a lot from there. And uh, in Detroit, been showing a lot of love. Got three guys from my hometown, home team. Yeah. Played together in high school. Uh, being the second editor, it's a blessing, man. It was not. Uh, it's, it's easy for us to catch on to each other because we've been playing with each other for a long time. It's been nice, man. Brother George on the map. Guys like Justin, guys like Tracy, um, and other guys that's coming up my young, um, beneath me. Uh, to try to set a stone, man, and try to make them come up here. The trail markets keep going. Well, that's Darius Slay from Brunswick High School, Detroit Lion, Pro Bowler, really good player. And uh, a guy that I remember when he came out of Mississippi State and in the draft that there was a lot of talk about him in Jacksonville, and I think they liked him a lot. I think a lot of teams liked him. But it was it was one of, when you did, like, the mock drafts and people had Slay as a potential guy to land in Jacksonville at that time. Certainly didn't happen. Uh, he's had a nice career in Detroit and uh, now in the Pro Bowl in Orlando. So good to hear from all those guys at the Pro Bowl. Not only are Jaguars, uh, Josh Allen and... Calais Campbell and DJ Chark, like we did yesterday, but also Derrick Henry and Darius Slay as well. It's still amazing that three guys from the same high school in the NFL on the same team. <laughs> I mean, that is unbelievable. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, back here at UNF Arena. Hopefully we get an unbelievable game here tonight. The Ospreys play Liberty in a big, big game in the A-Sun. 
And uh, these guys are shooting right now. Ivan Gandiarosa behind us, a uh, very special uh, player for UNF. You know, they had this great player years ago when they went 2015 and that run to the NCAA tournament, Dallas Ford. He's playing professional yeah. basketball now overseas. He was special. I mean, he's the best player to play in this program's history. This guy has done a great job of taking his spot. Uh, if you're watching the video feeds, you can see him shooting it right now, Ivan Gandiarosa. But uh, he's good, and he's been good. Uh, he's not the, missing. The Puerto Rican <laughs> national much. team. Hey, these guys can really shoot the lights out. Yeah, you know? it's, well, it's, it's like I was telling you. These guys could show up to your YMCA and it'd be like, all right, I'm feeling confident with the crew <laughs> yes. that I got. And literally, when you're down, you know, 15 nothing, it's like, okay, uh, I, you know, I should have judged the book by its cover, but. Yeah, I mean, it's listen, it's one thing to go to a game and see him obviously perform, which I've been to before. Yes, it's a, U, uh, UNF's always been an impressive team, but it's another thing just to watch him warm up and everything, get ready, man, to be on the court. Um, this is a really cool experience, man. It's awesome. Yeah. And, it, oh, and then you had Marcel and I shooting before, and we were nowhere close to what they're doing right now. And trying to dunk. And trying to well, dunk. Well, I dunked. Come on. <laughs> Brett, we're supposed to be on the same team here, dude. What no, are we, we are. doing right we now? We are. Okay. Yeah, we are. Okay. Uh, all right, let's uh, – Finish this thing off yeah. with a little ballin' and fallin', well, and somehow Eminem is going to make his way into this segment, I think. Speaking of the same team, Brent, um, well, let's be honest. I think the first year we, we had a lot of good camaraderie, a lot of good chemistry. You didn't know who Daniel Day-Lewis is. It is yeah. what it is, man. Yeah. I look past it. You like pineapples on your pizza. Once again, I look past it. But what really set me apart, man, and what really got me excited for the future and to kind of paint the story real quick, so the drive to Mobile, Alabama, it's a good five and a half, six hours, depending on where you stop and everything. And we're on the way back. And on the way back, I'm sitting shotgun. Marcel, my dude, is right in the back. And, you know, we're, I'm kind of getting a schooling, a little TED Talk on the landscape of the Jacksonville Mead, just so I can see, you know, what, what Brent's story was, what Marcel's story was. So that was like a good two-hour conversation. How this radio show came about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the it, truth. It, it was a good two-hour conversation and everything <laughs> like that. Well, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there, there was kind of a lull in the conversation, obviously, that like happens on a lot of road trips. And I brought up, <coughs> have you guys heard of the new Eminem um, song where he, I guess he breaks, like, the Guinness Book of World Records for, like, fastest rapping in 30 seconds? And all of a sudden, Brent Martino turns to me, and he echoed some words that I never thought he echoed before. I have the album. You want to listen to it? And my first instinct was, come again? I didn't say that, though. I was just like, sure. But deep down inside, I couldn't portray it, but I was like, say no more, fam. I'm, I am officially a ride or die of ESPN 690 Radio because Brent Martino is rocking out the new Eminem album, and we listened to it from front to back. Didn't say that much. Do we just kind of vibe to it? Kind of, you know, compliment it. Oh, that was a good verse. That was a good verse. And dude, it was, uh, it was an awesome road trip. So shout out, ballin', Brent Martin. Eminem fan, right here, baby. Uh, good album too. But and that part. Oh, go, go listen to that. You, you don't have to whether you like the music or not. Go find. It's uh, the Godzillas. Uh, yeah, Godzilla. <laughs> and, 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 and Brent Martin knows the, the name of the tracks of the Eminem <laughs> album. I love it. Yes, it is the Godzilla one. By the way, there's 20 songs on that yeah. album. Yeah. Uh, so, so go find the Godzilla part. But find the Go- Godzilla one. And you had said it was like 286 words in 30 seconds. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's insane, man. Unbelievable. Absolutely insane. That is such a gift. See, one of the reasons I, I do like Eminem is that is in. in in general, like I like all different kinds of music. I don't listen to a lot of rap. Uh, it, I, I don't. I listen to country music a lot. Yeah, no, frankly. That's what, hey, and, and there's no shame in that. We're rocking to um, Martina McBride on the way there. <laughs> I wasn't hating on it. <laughs> Went from Martina McBride on the way up to Eminem on the way back somehow. <laughs> uh, but 
I just there are things in that I, the things that I appreciate and envy or uh, respect, I should say, more than anything, are things that I cannot even attempt to do. And like, listen, I can play basketball. I might not be very good and can't play here, but if you threw me out there in a Jacksonville Giants game Saturday night, I could play. Like, I can do it. I probably I really respect football because I don't think I would even sign up for it. But amongst the things is I can't sing, dance, don't have much rhythm at all. And so I appreciate musicians and that 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 life. Um, I think it's really cool. I'd love to do it, can't do it. Yeah. And it even takes it a step further with, like, the hip-hop, the rap, the, well, the and Eminem. Yeah. And I, I just don't know how they do it. I don't know how he could get 286 words out in 30 seconds. It's, it's remarkable. Are you going to make it over here? Man, I don't know. That's got a coughing attack out of nowhere. But, no, you're absolutely right, Brent. Like, he is one of the best to ever do it, let's be honest. And that's why I respect Eminem. Like, yes, I like hip-hop music. I like rap music. I like that. Um, I, I love country music. But the, the, the standpoint I think we're both agreeing on here is that we appreciate anybody at the top of their game, whether it's jazz music, whether it's classical music, anybody who's just the outlier who's better than everybody else, whether it's music or sports or whatever it is, no, no matter the sport, you can respect it. Yeah, yeah, very good. Very well, well said. Brent, much better than the way I said it. What you got? Brent, I got to say, Who's? man, he's probably got a future in radio. If he can get that many words in in 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you the sponsor. By the way, we might have to do that soon. But you're right. He yeah. can really read a script. <laughs> Those commercials he could produce. Oh my! <laughs> I think he could if he wanted to. No doubt about it. Uh, but that's my Eminem linkage yeah, uh, here at Ballin' and Fallen. My Ballin', we already talked about top of the show. Go back and listen if you missed it. But Zion Williamson, yeah. how, that was fun. It was. You just sit back and sometimes just a sports fan. You don't care. You don't whatever. You don't have anything. Any dog in the fight. No emotion. That was fun to sit back and watch last night at around 11:20 when Zion was just going nuts. Yeah. And I'm really intrigued by where his career goes now that he's playing. Good for the NBA. Good for the Pelicans. Good for Zion Williamson. That was a lot of fun. My following real quick is going to be more Antonio Brown. Yeah. Since we got off the air yesterday, now that arrest uh, warrant was out for him. I mean, I, I, we've talked about it. But how much are we going to feature him in the fallen part until something, until it hits rock, rock bottom for well, him? It's still a question that nobody can answer, but I think we're all waiting for that answer. You know, and it's kind of ironic because my fallen is actually Delonte West. And oh, they, they, yeah. they have a lot of things Jeez. in common right now. Um, if you haven't seen the video of Delonte West, go check that out. It's it's, it's very um, shocking and very unnerving to see a guy that's you know was at one point of his career you know one of the best well not the best player but an adequate player in the NBA um, to a, living a on the street essentially to, yeah a big role player to now kind of living on the street and the reason why I'm not saying he's falling I'm saying the way we look at these guys like Antonio Brown like Delonte West in my opinion it's falling as a society because we're the first ones that want to go on Twitter and poke fun of these people we're the first ones that want to you know make fun of their bad situations. But I wouldn't make fun of somebody who has cancer. I wouldn't make fun of somebody who has a mentally termed, you know, illness. But for whatever reason, when guys are going through mental problems, people feel the need to poke fun at the bear a little bit and make fun of that. So I just ask people, like, on social media and on commentary, whether it's on radio, whatever it is, just think before you start making fun of these guys because something's obviously wrong. Something's not right. And once again... You wouldn't make somebody that has cancer, so why make fun of somebody that has a mental illness yeah, as well? Man, and, yeah. That Delonte West video is a scary it's, video. That's not a good scene. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there will be some former teammates, some NBA folks that try to come to his rescue yeah. if possible. Maybe he's too far off the deep end to even do that. It's, but it would uh, it would be a nice comeback story along the way, not on the basketball court, in life Absolutely. for Delonte West because it looks like he has it yeah. rock bottom. 
Hey, we'll see what happens tonight at UNF Arena in terms of uh, balls at the bottom of the net. Liberty, UNF, should be a lot of fun. A big one in the A-Sun. Check it out on ESPN+. And uh, check it out here at the arena. If you get a chance, come on over 7 o'clock tip. For Austin Lane, Marcel Robinson, Coos, I'm Brent Martin. We'll see you on TV tonight as well, Fox 30 and CBS 47. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.